Hey everyone, it is 6 p.m. Eastern. It is a holiday weekend. Hopefully we pick that up. Uh, this is episode 23 versus Media Live. I'm Stephen L. Miller. Uh, I titled this episode Tired of Winning uh, because we had ourselves a pretty consequential couple of weeks uh, in the Supreme Court term. Uh, we obviously saw uh, the reversal of Roe versus Wade, which kicked uh, abortion discussion and legislation back to uh, local legislatures, meaning state legislatures, which we saw Democratic Party members and national media have get themselves all in a fun tizzy over. Uh, we also saw the EPA versus Virginia, which limits regulation of uh, an overstep of the EPA, uh, which again, every single national media member and Democratic Party member turned into uh, the guy, the villain Peck from Ghostbusters, who just wants to shut down the containment union now. And we saw uh, the also the overturning of the New York State concealed carry law, um, which again oversteps constitutional boundaries. So to say I would be lying if I said this wasn't maybe the most uh, consequential Supreme Court uh section or whatever you want to call it um, in modern history, because it was. And the political left has now realized it cannot no longer rule by judicial fiat. They have to adhere by a constitution and they have to learn to legislate, which based on the reactions that we saw, is something that they're not really used to doing. <laughs> uh, I have a piece coming out uh, next week, I believe Monday at Washington Examiner, that talks about the fact that they, they don't have an answer to any of this. They don't have a plan. Um, Joe Biden's answer to all of this was to come out and give kind of a 12-minute statement, and then he got on an airplane and flew out of the country. And I wrote about the kind of growing consternation from progressive activists and some in media about the lack of response. Um, but the simple fact is this White House's hands are tied. There's not much they can do. They endorsed a filibuster carve-out, which isn't going to fly with uh, Manchin or Cinema. naughty. And so they're kind of stuck. Their only hope is to win the midterm elections and increase their seats in Congress and in the Senate in particular. And it doesn't look like that's going to happen. At best, it looks like we could end up with a 50-50 Senate-leaning Republican, um, thanks to, you know, two not qualified and controversial candidates in Georgia and Pennsylvania, as usual. So um, what we, we what we saw this week was both, you know, kind of the, the restoration of the Supreme Court telling Congress to do their job. And we could we got a good idea of uh, members of Congress who are not interested in doing their job, particularly on the political left, most notably Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Marks Bay, Congresswoman Airport designation. And we also saw from Chief Warren um, the, just these incredible ideas that have nothing to do with just passing legislation. Um, I'm fully of the belief that this is a party who has uh, gotten so high on their own supply of judicial fiat and Twitter likes that they literally have no idea what their job in Congress is to do anymore. We had these crazy ideas from impeaching SCOTUS justices to abolishing the Senate to packing the court. Uh, We had Chief Warren uh, offer to open outposts in the national parks, the, the land of her people, so to speak, um, like m- literal medicine tents. <laughs> and so 
I, I, you know, you would think she would be a little bit more sensitive to the federal government opening outposts in, you know, natural habitats. You think that she and her people would have some bad experiences with that. But yet this is what they're suggesting. They're not suggesting any realistic solutions to any of this. And so a few things I'm going to throw out to the room. Um, I, I'm not going to stay particularly focused. One, because it's a holiday. Two, it's because I think this is the first time I've done one of these in almost two weeks. For those of you not in the know, I had COVID last week. Um, and it, it, it hit me about as hard as it hit me when I wasn't vaccinated. And so recovering from that, I didn't do a call in last week. And, and now we're fine. And this week, I I did a appearance on Megan Kelly, which went for about 49, 50 minutes. And that kind of run me into the ground. Because uh, ironically, you have to be on your toes for that, like you have to be on your toes for you guys. Some of, some of the questions I've gotten in call-in are, are more interesting and harder than the ones from Megan Kelly. No offense to her on that at all. Um, so it's been kind of a whirlwind, but I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be back with you guys. It's a holiday weekend. It's the 4th of July. My Colorado Avalanche are Stanley Cup champions, which is another reason I've been suffering this week. Um, I have been celebrating with my team, or at least in their honor. Um, and so I cracked one open for them as well. So um, we're going to have ourselves, I'm going to kind of go until, you know, people don't want to talk. So we'll have kind of an extended call and I'm thinking maybe an hour, uh, maybe we'll go a little bit longer. We'll just see how this goes. But I want your thoughts. I just want your thoughts on the takes that you saw this week from our media. Um, obviously, the last one we saw, uh, which is pretty incredible, which was uh, Justice Thomas and uh, it's not an accident that Clarence Thomas has taken most of the blunt uh, of the very online Twitterati of the progressive left, and that includes uh, shoplifting drug addict Rex Chapman, formerly of CNN Plus, who uh, he he not only had to clean out his desk when CNN Plus closed, but he probably cleaned out all the desks of his coworkers as well. And there's it's not an accident that uh, they've kind of gone and gone after Clarence Thomas on a lot of this stuff when it was Alito who wrote the 5-4 decision. Um, I guess there's not a race angle to Alito. Uh, I don't know what it is. Um, but of course we saw the latest false narrative pushed by uh, DC media, Politico, Axios, several others, pushed that Clarence Thomas argued that vaccines were uh, used or being tested using uh, aborted cell lines of aborted fetuses. And of course this wasn't true. He was simply citing what people in the case were arguing. Uh, that didn't stop Slate's Mark Joseph Stern, who I think is the only person left at Slate. I think it's just him in an office and he just, it's like we work. He just goes, he just goes home when he wants to. And uh, of course, Politico has corrected this, but this was pushed out by Axios, which Axios is of course left leaning, but generally pretty reliable in my opinion and kind of fair ish. Uh, and then it was, of course, also pushed out by the lead tech factor of the Washington Post, Glenn Kessler, who still has yet to explain why he pushed out uh, an indisputably false work by Mark Joseph Stern uh, about this. And so uh, the media, including and you're free to include the view, which I don't hold as much of a higher standard than The New York Times, The Washington Post, have completely shit the bed on what our constitution says and what it does not say and what our bill of rights says and what it does not say. And they're having themselves quite the, quite the hissy fit over there on the political left. So uh, I, don't, I don't really have any 
specific questions. Normally, you guys know when I do this, uh, I'll kind of put you on the spot a little bit. But uh, I, I want your thoughts on what you've seen. I want your thoughts about what you're feeling. Uh, I, I, I want your thoughts about where you live. Are you in a state that has codified abortions, say, like, I don't know, New Jersey, California, Colorado, uh, where, where have you? And uh, what is the local feelings in their states with some of these things? And what, do, what is your local news coverage like? Um, so I try to keep this media ori- oriented, but it is a holiday weekend. Um, so I'm not going to be too strict. Um, but like I said, uh, feel free to jump in. If you're new to this, if, if whatever, you can feel free to jump in, give me your thoughts. You can question me, uh, ask for comment or anything. But like I said, um, Give me your thoughts on what you've seen this week. Uh, one fun question that I've posed, and you're free to answer this as well, is I posed this and I wrote this at the uh, at the Spectator, is even though, even for you people who are not fans of Donald Trump, I've posed this question several times, and it's kind of a cliche at this point, but given all of the, the nonsense and the madness that has come out of January 6th and what we're looking at now or possibly looking at in 2024, would you have traded one Donald Trump term for three Supreme Court justices? This is always a fun question. I like posing this to some of the media intelligista and what have you. And so this is also a question I've posed on my podcast, but not live. And so when you look at what it, what you could consider the biggest defeat of the political left in what I think is modern history in 30, 40 years, um, would you, Donald Trump, right or wrong, is going to go down as one of the most consequential Republican presidents in modern history next to Ronald Reagan. Um, that's not saying he's Ronald Reagan, but it is just citing the historical circumstances of his presidency. And of course, that also lends to Mitch McConnell um, not giving the advice and consent to uh, Obama's Supreme Court nomination, Merrick Garland. So we have a lot going on. Uh, we haven't been here. We haven't done this in a while. I'm glad to see everyone, uh, except you Red Wing fans, um, but feel free to just jump in, and I'll even just take your 4th of July stuff. Let's go through. We'll have some fun. Uh, we'll co- just call it this 4th of July barbecue happy hour, and um, just see how this goes. Uh, I'm just going to jump right into this. Andrew, you're up. I-, I recognize Andrew. I know Andrew's been here before, so uh, I don't really need to, like, you know, ask him anything. But, Andrew, what, have you, what are your thoughts on what you've seen from media, what you've seen from Democrats in the last couple of weeks? Um, how are you feeling about the state of the country, uh, and, and where and are are you tired of winning, so to speak? Uh, well, first, Stephen, you forgot to say um, God rest his soul when you mentioned Merrick Garland. We need we, we need to praise him, you know, wherever he is. You know that. Um, uh, secondly, uh, uh, when it, I'm in North Carolina, so. We, it's this weird sort of position where we're not sure what's going to happen. And it really kind of depends on what comes up in the next two years, because we have a Republican um, Senate, Republican House and a Democratic governor and a, a basically halfway split um, NC Supreme Court that if things go like they're supposed to, will become Republican by the end of the year. So it's very complicated because we probably are going to be sort of more like Florida or what Virginia wants to be, where it's 15 weeks, which I think is where the country kind of wants to be. And as a pro-lifer, I'd like it to be more stringent, but I also understand that I can't get that. I never voted for Donald Trump. And because of that, I have... Andrew, Andrew, can I interrupt you for one second? Yes. So here's what's interesting to me. So you say you're pro-life. 
And but you also you also kind of concede that the country isn't where you are at, right? So it seems like to me the party on a local level, Glenn Youngkin, Ron DeSantis, other conservative states are saying, yes, 15 weeks. That's that in 15 weeks is generally based on what they are calling fetal heartbeat or the ability to feel pain or ultrasound or whatever. So here's my question. Why why is why are you why do you think the political right is willing to accept a 15-week abortion ban while while being stringent pro-life. You just said you're more pro-life than that, but you just said you would agree with that. Why are why are you willing to concede that? Why are you willing to concede that to the party and accept that when the political left is basically like, ew, no, kill it up to nine months? Why why do you think the political left is not willing to accept a 15-week abortion ban? I'm just curious. Well, it's sort of like you know, up until twenty. Why would um, up until twenty sixteen? Why did the Republicans always say they lost everything? It's because they were losing more than they were winning, and they lost stuff. I know you personally aren't um, um were for gay marriage and all that stuff, but that was a loss. It was undeniable for the political right that that was a loss, and that loss caused a sort of feeling of despair and and loss. And they had something for fifty years that they consider a right. And they are is now going to be restricted. I believe it is a terrible idea with abortion going up until it's crowning, or while the while they're waiting for the baby, while they're keeping the baby comfortable, while they decide what to do. But I understand that loss is um, is just terrible. It's like you know, um, you know, and it's also could be so debilitating, and it's sort of like um the squaffling of do you stop or do you not? So like you saw those things like. The Benedict option that Chris, that was being proposed before the election of Trump, where the republic, where Christians just completely check out of of American society, basically just say it's not worth fighting for anymore, and they because they agree to that, they actually managed to come and get those wins. But I can also understand just how despairing it feels, especially when beginning of 2016, it felt like if if you've ever read that Tushnet that Mark Tushnet blog post of imposing social conditions on the con- on the conservative right like they were not Nazi Ger- um, ex Nazi Germany it was like they were going to they were at the height of their powers and in less than a decade it is gone and i can sort of see how that is sort of psychologically why it's so d- difficult for so many of them to give up and it's why you see things like that I'm sure you've seen this thing uncomfortably smugs Twitter about that guy who's basically just complaining and says, I don't blame the Republicans. They're doing this, whatever the hell they are. They're not going to listen to me, but I'm blaming the Democrats. I'm blaming all these people who are asking for money and I'm not doing it. Yeah. So, so if for, for those of you who don't know what Andrew's talking about, there's a TikTok of a lib who has basically gone full blown tea party circa 2010. Um, and you can, and like you said, you can go comfortably smugs Twitter feed and a few others to see this guy. And, uh, and I, gotta you, I respect you. I respect you. Yeah, well, this, yeah, well, that's that's kind of what's funny is, and, and I think I wrote this at the New York Post a couple of years ago, that you're about to see a Tea Party kind of bloom on the political left, and for and people forget if you weren't around for the Tea Party, it wasn't a party that like insurrected against Obama. This was a party that like kicked out members of their own party that they didn't like, starting with Eric Cantor, who was like the the heir apparent to. Uh, the Speaker of the House at that time. And so I think you're starting to see that groundswell. And like I said, I have more about that at Examiner. 
uh, coming. But yeah, you see a very dispirited political left realizing all of a sudden that it looks like their leadership, Pelosi, who's 137 years old, and Joe Biden, who I don't even know has to be carbon dated at this point, and they see a group of people that don't look interested or ready for this fight. And I would argue that they, uh, Roe, and I've said this on my podcast, has created a kind of a comfy, a comfort blanket over their whole abortion talking point. We don't have to argue policy. We don't have to argue. We don't have to go out and sell abortion. Uh, we just we have Roe protecting us. And now it's gone. And now they realize, holy shit, we have a woefully inadequate party who's ready or willing to say, yes, kill that thing. <laughs> like you said, like, kill it, make it comfortable and then kill it. And, you know, that's kind of what that's kind of where I see this going. I see a progressive Tea Party starting to bloom a little bit. Yeah. And I, I, well, I disagree with them politically. I respect it. But I also have this if you've if you've listened to the pro-life movement, and I think you you would probably find this a bit cringe, but we often at times will take arguments from the abolitionist right, um, abolitionists of the um, when it came to the discussing slavery. And I know what happens when you get two sides who basically have this argument over human nature and will not stop fighting each other, and that leads to ugliness that we don't want to see in this country. So that's another reason why I'm willing to take the 15 weeks because I think it would be a compromise that most of the country can get behind and hopefully we don't go down this road of violence because we just almost had a Brett Kavanaugh get killed and in five years since the since the shooting of the um, January 6th and the shooting at the baseball field and we have been so lucky over the past five years that we have not seen a half dozen or so major shot killed at this point Andrew, Andrew, are you okay with abortion on a federalist level? This is the next, to me, this is going to be the next debate. And I'm not quite sure if I trust the Republican Party on this in the sense of people like me argue, you know, and you see a lot of the professional punditry argue that, hey, you know what? Roe is overturned. This allows you to go argue it at a state's level. Eh, And we're good with that. Except we probably know that you know, senatorial Republicans, and if they take the House, they're probably going to push a federal abortion ban. So, and are you? And let's say, let's say the they don't do that. Are you? Are as you? You as a stranger pro-lifer, are you okay with say? You know, you're. You said you're in South Carolina. South Carolina, North Carolina, it bans North. North Carolina. I'm sorry, if you're in North Carolina, We're not North that Carolina bad. bans We're not abortion. That bad. Are you? Are you okay with the fact that say Colorado doesn't? And and could you live with that? Even though it's still taking lives, I live in a country. Um, I live with the fact that Nike makes billions of dollars each year on slave labor. I live in a. a I live with the fact that we're not going to actually go and fight Russia for the. I can live with the fact that um, that for some reason Colorado thinks it has the right to kill their own babies, and that is just the way we were going to have to be to be an adult and be a member of this citizenry. It's the best. It's sort of what the founders really tried to do with all these compromises to w- keep it from becoming too um, too centralized. And that's the, always the great worry we have and the great problem with Franklin Delano Roosevelt's society that he built in the 1930s to fight the Great Depression. He too, um, he too greatly centralized the nation, and because of that, we haven't been able to actually exercise federalism on a level that's necessary. And it's sort of like you said, um, for all the you see with um, the CNN and um, and all these other centralized news organizations, it's like 
there's this great problem with progressivism and just the left in general of centralization, and we need to break it up. And even though I think it is horrifying to a certain extent to ever do an abortion, I under, other than when it's about protecting the life of a, of a mother or all that stuff, I also recognize that if our country is to be as um, as functional as possible, to have a country, a nation of 330 million function, you have to let people do their own thing. And the best way to do that on a government level is to separate into large, but um, generally sort of differently, differently organized places like the states and have them decide what they want to do on their own. Big because they needed to be able to do things and get together at with 50 or so groups to actually accomplish things on the world stage. But, you know, it's you're going to have to let people do their own thing. And I mean, believe me, I'm I'm upset that Colorado is going to um, do that with um, be more pro-choice than I'd be happy with. And I'm upset that Alabama continues to um, to insist to actually have that that university in Tuscaloosa still operate. I want them to tear that place down to the to the to the studs. So I'm going to have to look at states doing things I don't want. And that's just being a mature citizen of this country. Okay, so you're not ready to grab your musket. So we're so just so we're just so we're clear on that. Yes. Um, <laughs> I mean, um, well, it, well, if the musket would help me to tear down the University of Alabama, I'm sure I'm up for that. But you know, don't ask me about that. I, you know, I just I just don't like college football programs just constantly winning, and I don't really watch college football. It just Nick Saban seems like an asshole to me. So if you want to do that. Um, I won't join. I won't join you in arms, but I will. I will tweet my approval. How's that? Okay, and then we can go take over Kanadistan. How's that sound? Yeah, I, God, I wish it's it's still summer months. We still have time. Um, yeah. Andrew, do you have anything you want to wrap up with? Um, these are all great thoughts. I appreciate them. Uh, thanks for letting me speak a lot, and uh, hopefully next year it'll be the Canes. So yeah, I like uh, the Canes. The, the Canes were my pit. So when I did a bracket this year, I picked the Canes out of the East. I thought it was going to be the Avalanche and the Hurricanes. Um, uh, the, the real problem, Freddie Anderson tore his um, tore his ACL. Yeah. The Avalanche, thank you very much. And you basically asked a backup to win you three straight series, and you could only win you one and a half. And yeah, that's just I mean, the problem. But you guys have a little bit of cap room, and you're young, so Nazem Kadri will be out there this year, and so will Darcy Kemper. So think of it that way. Uh, you know, the the thing is, is that uh, what I, I really just hope they just finally. My main thing is they have to move on from a couple of things, and really, I I really do question about the Coke Kamiami signing. That that one didn't match. But hey, at least they're actually winning. Unlike my Carolina Panthers, who thanks. You know, here's the thing, Stephen. I I I have a I'm I'm willing to let the um Colorado exist because you at least kept it from the being the Patriots who beat us again. <laughs> but but you know, it's not been a good half decade for me in sports. Thanks a lot. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> uh, if it makes you feel better, it wasn't a great, and I I wasn't there for for mo, mo, most of it, but it wasn't a great decade for the Avalanche either. Um, so yeah, I yeah, I mean the Panthers, they're they're gonna make a mistake and trade like five draft picks for Baker Mayfield, but whatever. This is versus media, not versus sports. It's it's versus whatever you want it to be. Uh, Chris, you're up. I, I want to just get your thoughts on what I've said. And also, I mean, uh, Andrew offered a lot of good thoughts there. And so feel free to build off those or 
Uh, tell me what your thoughts are on what we saw with yeah, Scotus and the and the left and what's going on. What's on your mind, Chris? That, that, that's hard to uh, to to follow. Uh, yeah, also, that's right. That was first of all, good. Happy... I should just shut this down and let us all get on with our weekends. Yeah, ha- happy failed terrorist state day for the for the record, because um, it, it whatever. And uh, and quick question: Have you ever seen a football? Have you ever you, had a football you, spike? Are, as Chris, fast? are you my Chris in Vancouver, BC? By the way, I am. Okay, I just I I just I have a photographic memory, and I thought I recognized your thing, but I wanted to be sure. So uh, yes, happy failed Canada stand, and I'm glad we still kept your fucking trophy. Yeah, you you I, I, as long as if the Canucks can't have it, then I don't want anyone else to have it. You guys had your chance so you and you burned your city down instead. Hey, Batman, don't get me started. I, I uh, quick question: Have you ever had a football spike as fast as you, as you have with the Scott Travis thing this afternoon? <laughs> <laughs> That's great journalisming, and then the entire Orlando Sun or. 11 members of the Orlando Sun Sentinel all get fired or laid off right after he uh, finished his journalism. Yeah, so for those not in the know, uh, Scott Travis is, uh, I believe, a Miami Herald columnist. And I, I follow him on Twitter. He, he's generally okay. And this is, the, this is the reason why I just I responded to him is because he had a lot of good uh, information when it came to Broward schools and with the Parkland shooting and them ousting the superintendent who CNN made into a big hero. And um, so he, he popped up in my timeline today. And like I said, uh, I very rarely kind of like uh, deal with local journalists. I don't think local journalists are not necessarily the problem. Um, but Scott Travis tweeted today and he is a he, he I'll give you his official title. I just had to pull this up on Twitter and pretend like I knew what I was talking about. Senior journalist for Sun Sentinel, part of the 2019 Pulitzer winning team. Congratulations, Scott. University of Alabama. Ugh, right there. See, Andrew was right. We just need to bulldoze that place to the ground. Uh, not a rap star deal up at all. Um, I'm looking. No, his DMs are still open. I did not DM him. So Scott just tweeted out Florida's quote unquote, don't say gay law takes effect today. Its impact is already being felt. <laughs> and all I simply, t- and, and, and here's the thing is, and Scott's not the only one guilty of this, but if you've seen national journalists, people like Zeke Miller or AP or Reuters, they always throw in the don't say gay. And they usually say which opponents have dubbed which gets them off the, hu- off the hook of what they believe it also says. So it, it's kind of like what I talked about on my podcast this week. When Jake Tapper says people are saying, yeah, Michelle Cinder was, was a pro at this. Many people are saying, which ironically is what our previous president always used to say. And so all I simply did was say, that's not the name of the law, which it, it's not. So if you sell yourself as a journalist, if you sell yourself as like a partisan columnist, if you're hired as an opinion columnist, Great. Then you can say, don't say gay, and then we'll still correct you, but at least you're out. Scott Travis is someone who claims to be a nonpartisan journalist. He says Florida's don't say gay law takes effect today. And all I simply said was that's not the name of the law. Um, Scott Travis replied with that's why it's in quotes. But the name recognition for, quote, don't say gay among the public is far higher than the bill's actual name. It's a good lesson in marketing and branding. 
And to Scott's credit, I will ta- I will always take a journalist who speaks the truth out loud because this is exactly what they all think. Um, so I kind of I just said I, I simply just said we're, so. Your attitude is we're going to keep calling it what it isn't because it's brilliant marketing from the Democratic left. And again, I do appreciate his honesty on this one because he's like, you know, hey, it's just it's catchy. We're going to go with it, even though it's a lie. And uh, so in my response, I said to him, quote, we started calling it that. And, you know, look how many people recognize it. I said, that's a pretty amazing admission for a journalist. And he said, if you're going to use quotes, quote accurately, (laughs) which, again, is a guy who quoted a Florida parental education bill which sets a curriculum where you can say gay, you can do these things. You just can't teach it as you can't teach gender theory as uh, as a curriculum in grades K through three. But he still said, quote, don't say gay. So I appreciate the idea that um, I'm football spiking, but he he kind of did this on himself. I didn't really have to do that. Um, A journalist who demands you quote him accurately while quoting a Florida law which you can disagree with, and you you can even agree that it might be abused uh, in the future. You might say, you know what, you might have an instance where you have a teacher who simply has, you know, a photo of their their, uh, same-sex spouse on their desk, and then that person gets hauled out by, you know, the the general uh, DeSantis army out of the classroom wearing their Cuban uniforms, and that may occur. But it's the simple fact that this is not what the law says. So um, this was, of course, topped off with today that the uh, Florida Sun Sentinel laid off several journalists. And uh, I guess if you want to talk about like the simpatico style of the universe coming together. Yeah. I mean, you know, you can look at causation there. And but again, it wasn't me who did this. He just he simply said, if you're going to quote me, then use quotes accurately from a guy who claims to be. A Sun Sentinel journalist who, in the past, has offered some decent information, especially as it comes to Broward School District, uh, who is now suddenly finding himself on the other end of the spear. It doesn't work that way. So, uh, yeah, exactly. So, uh, how, how I'll give you not as if anyone really cares. I'll give you kind of Canada's and kind of how the media is looking at uh, uh, the the supreme court rulings and first of all that you, I, I i'm drinking their tears but one, and one i hope thing you're in a clunker i'm right now i i am i i am not in the building so <laughs> um one thing that that we did is we sent someone we we sent our one of our brave reporters and put them in front of a planned parenthood and they did all their um, reports from a, a Planned Parenthood in, in Tennessee. And because I believe that would be the closest place from Washington, D.C. that might have that might, there might be abortion uh, dropped. And uh, and so all week in, in front of this uh, Planned Parenthood, and, which I hopefully think or hope that will by September will become a spirit Halloween shop. And then, and then once the uh, EPA one came out, they flew them back to they flew the guys back to to Washington, and then and and had them in front of a green screen of like a nuclear plant or or something. It's kind of it's, it's almost as if they they put them in front of something that that will be 
affected and but and 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 the wording was definitely taking away rights. The Supreme Court took away rights. And I was like, well, no, they didn't take away rights. You now go to a state where you can vote on it. And so and it was the usual dog and pony show. Yeah. And this is what I mean by you have at least in Congress and, uh, and thank you for sharing. So Chris, for those of you who don't, Chris is a sub of my podcast and he's, uh, he's one of my lone holdouts in, in the ruthless dictatorship of Kanadistan. And he works in media and he always sends me comments about what his news station is talking about. And a lot of the time, some one and once in a while I read them, but uh, I don't usually read them on the podcast. And, and Chris this is the first time you know this because I, li- I don't want to get you fired because, you know, they might track you down. Um, but what's, Thank interesting, you. What's, in, what, what's interesting is, um, and this is, this is genuinely what I, where I think I'm at on this is they genuinely don't think they are in Washington to legislate. Uh, Ocasio-Cortez is a perfect example of this. She, she goes to Washington, she sits on a couple of committees, so she'll interview witnesses, um, she'll do phony swearing-ins, then she goes home, she makes margaritas, and she gets on Instagram. And it's like, okay, but your actual job is to represent your district and the concerns of your district at a federal level. This is a woman who appears, you know, uh, on the Colbert Report, or I'm sorry, the Colbert Show, and every magazine cover. Is this someone who, to you, looks like she's interested in representing her district? No, she's a House member. Um, She thinks she's a senator. And I'll even go further to say she thinks she's running for president, which she is in 2024. And so you have a dysfunctional Congress with a bunch of people. And I would argue the political right is like this as well. You, you can argue there is a section of the political right, House members, senators, who are far more interested in appearing on Fox News than they are actually doing their fucking jobs. And so this isn't just a political left issue, but the Supreme Court kicked an issue of the political left back to them and said, go, you need to go out and you need to legislate this. And you had a bunch of them just kind of turn into, you know, the prehistoric cavemen from 2001, putting their hands on a monolith who just were like, we don't know what this mysterious thing is that you call legislation. We saw this with Rashida Tlaib and we saw this with several others, Katie Porter, all of these democratic stars. And so I have two theories. One is they're genuinely stupid, okay? And I'm of the belief that while stupid people can serve in Congress, you generally don't, can't be stupid to get there. Um, and the second one is they were so reliant on selling Roe v. Wade as just a talking point. It's just we're pro-choice, we're pro-women, that for so long that that's now been taken away from them. And it's like, okay, go out and prove it. Tell us what you're willing to do to be pro-woman? Are you willing to kill a nine-month-old human being or a fetus or whatever? And this isn't even a pro-life or pro-choice debate. This is simply what the science says. And so I think they're completely just gobsmacked with the fact that, holy shit, like we, we have to go out and actually tell the public specifically what our legislation, what our ideas entail. And I think they're panicking over that a little bit. Um, 
I, I genuinely also believe there are people in Congress who don't know what their job is. And that can go from Rashida Tlaib to Ian Omar to Marjorie Taylor Greene. And the only difference between Marjorie Taylor Greene and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is who gets magazine covers. And that's pretty much it. I, I Exactly. Um, and, and one other thing, uh, probably my last thing, um, I don't think most women or, or just people in general really know what Roe entailed. Everyone thought it was just the second it, it, it went out, they were like, of all abortions are gone, done, finito. And they didn't realize it was kicking back to, not only kicking back to the states, but then the states could make their own rules. I've mentioned to what people, People who've said that they're pro-choice, I was like, well, California now basically what I call crowning abortions. You can have abortion up to the crown. And almost all of them, their face like seizes, like, no, 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 I don't like that. And it's like, well, that's what Roe was now. And uh, like people don't realize, like Canada doesn't have up to the crown. Canada has up to 24 weeks, which you can either say is too much or too little. Or at least British Columbia does. But it, it's kind of funny how, like, they want – people want, oh, yeah, I don't want to get rid of abortion. Well, are you fine with it to crowning? No. Ooh, that's gross. And it's like, well, that's what it was. And now it's all of a sudden it's no longer taken away right. I, it's, it's, it's interesting to see people's reaction once they actually realize what this, what, what, what this law was. Yeah, and like I said, I, I I think that they were so comfortable under the judicial ruling that th- they just don't know how to legislate it at this point, even like, though they've had several states um, that have done it. Like you so, say, under the comfort of a dra- under the dragon's wing. Yeah, I, well, I use the dragon's wing under the comfort of being in the media, but but that's similar. It's again, Roe provided them cover to go out and just say even abortion up to nine months is. Uh, sorry, it's Roe v. Wade. Sorry, it's Roe, and, and now it's you don't have that anymore. So you need to tell us exactly what this procedure entails up to nine months, um, including making it making a viable uh, fetus comfortable. And th- th- one of the most interesting things about this is we saw Stacey Abrams in Georgia, who basically came out for an abortion ban. She she came out and said a viable fetus. She's up. She's up for. Abortion until the fetus is viable. Well, that's what twenty week. That can be twenty weeks. We've seen twenty weeks uh, or twenty three weeks, and so this is what was interesting to me. Is she? You have a national media Democrat star, not someone who's successful in politics, but someone who's now, I guess, planet of Earth, thanks Star Trek, who has come out and moderated her position because of the election she's in. And this is what I argue in my Examiner piece. They have two choices. They really do have two choices here. One is you can go full Leroy Jenkins with, with um, the coat hanger and say, you know, yeah, we're up to, you know, unlimited abortion, period. You know, the thing could be three years old and we're still going to want to kill it. Oh, OK. Or you can moderate and that's and moderation is probably going to piss off probably the, the most intense and loudest voices of your activist party in the media. Um out of the two of them, I don't think they're going to moderate because I don't think that's what political parties do on either side. I don't think that they moderate. So, um, Chris, uh, I appreciate, appreciate it. it. Um, thanks. Thanks for chiming in here. Go, go enjoy the 4th of July, even if you're in Canada. I dare you. Oh, you know I will. Talk to you soon. Um, I have someone in comments complaining 
that so far my panel is all a bunch of dudes, unsanctioned citizens. Uh, I invited this person up to speak. So uh, on your app, feel free to accept that invitation. Uh, I do have Ivan, Matt, Donna is back there. Joseph, there, there's Sheila. So Sheila, uh, I saw you complaining that I only have a line of dudes talking about abortion. Oh, well, there's Donna. Um, I, so, she's up there on the line somewhere. I just didn't see her. So uh, I invited you up because, yeah, okay. I, I totally, I, I agree with you. My, my followers are generally a sausage fest. Yes, so, I was going to um, use that term, sausage fest. If, if I do, so I, I invited you onto the speaker stage, um, which is different than being a caller. So if I boot you, it's not because I'm like, disagreeing or anything it's just because i don't usually invite speakers so my fingers oh, might I be mean, a little fat I'm for sure this so go ahead um, no, tell, so give me your thoughts uh you said i have a line of dudes so give me your thoughts i saw you in text so i just wanted to bring you up here okay maybe you are you there can you hear me yeah you're there yeah so, so if you see a, yeah if you, no yeah you're there i can hear you so if you see a circle around your avatar it means that you're coming Okay, sometimes this thing is, is pretty buggy. I'll, I'll be brief. I'm not going to take up a ton of time. I hate this issue because... I'm not, I'm not a fan it, myself, but this is where we No, are. no, I hate it. I hate it in general because it, it just puts... It puts women in, in an extraordinarily lonely spot where the state is now looking at everything that they do on a reproductive level with an eye of suspicion and, you know, there's just what, so many what you, things. What, what, what do you mean by that? When you say well, I mean, the, looking at women in, with an eye of suspicion. Give well, me, I mean, it, it, now, it, now reproduction it, holistically becomes a, a place where from the time you conceive to the time you, you spit out that kid, uh, a crime could happen. Okay? And if you don't produce a viable infant, you know, then, then it's, it's, it's a crime scene. And you know, and women women get to be worried about that in states like like Texas, where they want an enforceable outcome for pregnancy. So I, I'm not comfortable at all with that. You know, it, I'm in the leave me the fuck alone club. So I mean, there's just so many other things. You know, we've got counterterrorism. We've you'll got. Be happy to know you'll be happy to know I'm a member of the same club, probably on opposite ends of political spectrum, but I'm. The, the, the joke here is I've always said that, like, I'm pretty much in the, the leave me alone thing. And I'm and and to, to just not to interrupt, but to help you out, I'm, this is also not my issue. I fucking hate talking about it. And because, again, it is it is such a passion issue. Um, but I'm I'm kind of with you and what, what where I think you're going is we might be opposite, but I'm also in the leave me the fuck alone club. So I just need to probably not, Stephen. I, I just get pushed around uh, by these, you know, the the the. the the political diaspora they're like they love you then they don't love you you're you're it's like a it's kind of a bizarre weird like you know cult dance they're like come join us and then if you're not perfect and you don't you know conform or obey the, the polity then you're out then you're out you're in the outlands you you no longer conform to the cult you know you're you're banned from the family so i mean i just i hate politics but in general like but hold, but hold. We just, but we just heard in our first call, who was a dude. To, to your it was credit, a dude. Who said, <laughs> who, ba who basically said he's pro-life, but he's still willing to accept states' rights. And he basically said, even though I'm pro-life, well, I hope so. It's our constitution. At, at at 15 weeks, even though he doesn't like it, he's still willing to accept a compromise on abortion. So to, to say that like you're out of the club, 
Who? So let me get. Let me ask you something. So, in your opinion, right now, who would you say is probably more out of the club, a pro-life Democrat or a pro-choice Republican or conservative or libertarian? Okay, it just depends on who you're dealing with. If you put the, it just depends on who you're dealing with. If we're if we're kicking this to the states, which is what's happening. Okay, the the reason why I hate this issue so so much is because you get a state like Rhode Island or uh, California where they are going to be a um, go get your abortion state. Um, they are going to to be creating a situation where. Uh, an act that that most people are really uncomfortable about. Uh, it, they feel it's an amoral exclusion reserved for people in in emergency situations or in just bad bad circumstances. The women who choose abortion are in are in bad situations. Like you would not want to be the woman who chooses abortion. Now I do know women who have volunteered that they have had abortions, but they're some of them are, are just dimwits honestly dude they're, they're just they're just women who are like oh well i think it's it's just not time i you know i don't really want one and you know you know they they could probably you know safely deliver the pregnancy up for adoption you know do something else but they they chose to have an abortion out of convenience and you know if it becomes a state matter, like it would in California, you know, I wouldn't go run in the street and chastise that woman, but I wouldn't want her her stuff to be public record either. I wouldn't want it, I wouldn't want it to be a taxable matter. Like I don't want to pay for her anti-child care, meaning like I don't want to pay for abortions. And Biden's only sensible rubric, you know, up until the, till this point was the Hyde Amendment, uh, some sort of Hyde Amendment, and and. You know where the tax rate just keep the taxpayer out of it, but once it becomes the taxpayer's issue, you have a loss of privacy on that woman, and I don't, I don't think that's good for healthcare privacy. Period. You know, on the flip, in a place like Texas, it becomes a huge law enforcement matter. So hospitals and healthcare institutions are going to have, you know, adopt some sort of regulatory regime where. You know, a pregnancy affirmative test will be reported. I don't doubt it. And then that woman is going to be under some sort of, you know, circumspection, you know, through digital or otherwise, unless she produces that infant. And that sucks. I hate that. That's not freedom, dude. Go ahead. Uh, no, no. So I'm, so I'm, I'm kind of going back. Um, so, so I'm, I'm trying to kind of gauge where you are on it. Besides, I fucking hate all of this. Um, so like you said, when it becomes a taxpayer issue, and this is kind of, this is kind of where we at, would you, as far as Texas goes, which was Texas was kind of the, the first state that kicked all of, it didn't kick all of this off as far as SCOTUS, but this is the first one that kicked it off in the national media. Well, Mississippi um, as well, you know, they're, right. they're close but, competitors there for first. So, so the, so the first thing is when I was listening to you, I, I would, I most likely, um, is a guy who's never had to partake in any kind of abortion or hiding one like Jeffrey Tubin from CNN or whatever. Well, I'm glad I, that you're not a, a woman pretending to be a man and, and saying that you're a perfect person. It helps not, me. Not helps yet. Me tremendously. Um, I don't know. It's still early. Um, so, <laughs> what I would say, so what I would say to that is, would you – so what is your attitude then? Because you, you seem to be like, this is, this is a hard thing for a woman to do. This is a hard thing for a woman to decide. This is a hard thing for a couple to decide. 
maybe they're not financially ready. Maybe they're too young. Maybe they're scared. Maybe whatever. But would you argue that, say, our national culture and our national media has shifted to a culture of celebrating it? it, it we, saw, we saw, like, Michelle Wolf on Netflix, mm-hmm. who, you know, brought out a marching band uh, celebrating abortion. We saw... You know, there is some of that. I'm not going to deny that. Seen, no, I, 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 I don't deny so, that there is some some vile like celebration of the instance right. of, of exterminating a pregnancy. Yeah, there is. Right. So when you see kind of that happen, what would you say if you see if you see a national media culture saying celebrate or shout your abortion, which is that was that was an actual hashtag. Um, and mm-hmm. I'm not saying that that's where most people are because it's social media and people are just assholes. What would you say is the equivalent on the pro-life side? Would you say the pro, pro-life pro is like report your abortion? Is it like bring out the marching band and the cops and with the batons and, you know, report the abortion? Or is it just like you have a culture that is trying to move it to being more acceptable while you have a culture on the right? I want a quiet culture for female reproduction, man. I, that's what I want. I want a quieter culture for female female reproduction i want privacy for women who are pregnant that's what i want you know i don't i don't need any of this you know it's just kind of vile because the women that they are reflecting in in these dramatizations are those are paid advertisements for something for ideas but i don't know very many real women i i know of like maybe two or three that have approached me and they're like they're really proud of their abortions and you know, I I, I wrote, did a write up on Substack this week, and I I said that they're they're basically fools, and I feel sorry for them. They're dope. Sheila, Sheila, what's your Substack? Give us give us the URL just because uh, because you're Sheila, talking, and I just I want people, to, and I'm not I'm not trying to sick an army on you. I'm genuinely like interested. So uh, yeah, I said I went ahead and sent it to Vice. So I honestly don't care. I'm like oh, throw you, it you at me because I'm really mad. Like I don't uh, want to be responsible for any of this. It sucks. Um, so, I, I mean, I, I'm technically with you. This, what's funny is whenever this happens, uh, whenever I have to do a podcast on this, I'm genuinely like, fuck. Like, uh, <laughs> because, uh, you know, I'm not someone who's been through it. I'm, Wee, you know, so much fun. No, and it's, and it's, again, it's a hard topic, and I get all of that. And I wrote about it at, the, at my old website, The Wilderness, called – it was about the – you know, I did a great graphic because I did, I, I did, you know, front-end graphic design. I did this great graphic of a, of a fetus hand reaching for a dollar when the, oh, plan, no. when, the, when, the, when the Planned Parenthood videos came out of, you know, I could use a Ferrari. That would be great. And so I wrote about. I mean, that was the hardest post I've written at that website. I'm just like, I, I mean, don't, you can be pro baby. That's this. okay. You can you can not want a baby. That's okay. Whatever you want to want to do in America, it should be generally okay. But right. when you when you get pregnant, you know, there's all kinds of things that happen to women when they're pregnant. It's an externalizing situation, and it's become increasingly punitive just to be a parent anyway. So people are running away from parenthood. They are eschewing it because of reasons that social conservatives are ignoring. They're just like ignoring what? them. Like what? Well, <sighs> let's put it this way: there, there's there's always been there's always been a gauntlet that uh, that social conservatives, you know, put women through when they become pregnant. They think it's about them. They think it's about the church they think it, it, it's any, about anything other than that parent 
trying to find a way to bring a child into their family. And family is increasingly broken and complicated, and they're not Christians. That's the other part. Okay, we have we have a society that isn't is imprecisely Christian. Forty seven percent of the modern birth rate in America is among unwed people. They are not married in a conventional way. Okay, so would you, I don't would think you say and I, and I don't I don't have an opinion on this, but would you say that that is a good thing or a bad thing? It is the way it is, and as but, long but as social on, conservatives that's, realize that's not, that they that's no, not, it is the way on, it is. I have to be a realist, man. Just what you think? I know, I know. You can argue what things are. I'm just asking. Do you personally think that that's a good thing or a bad thing? I, I don't really. Have I, an I don't. I'm just, I don't. I you know, I. It. It's so noisy. I just want to deal with reality. You know, I want to deal with what is, and and the problem is, is that there's this idea scape that 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 we're pushing people into that doesn't comply. Like, you know, there's a there's an idea landscape where people aren't conforming, and the babies are still coming, dude. The babies are still coming, and they're not coming the the Christian granola way. They are coming, and they're they're coming to women. And men who are not married, 47%, that is a reality. That is real. That is true. Okay? And to get a social conservative to accept the fact that that's what's happening, and these are parents who want to have kids. All right? And and then, you know, the, the, the slim, tiny margin of women who, who want to go get an abortion, okay, I, I feel like just leaving them alone because I feel like if they're dumb enough or desperate enough to go get an abortion, I don't want to know about it, and I can't protect them, and, you know, God will deal with them. You know, if you believe in God, why don't you have a little faith and let God deal with them? Pray for them. Make a recommendation. But, you know, what's likely to happen to those women is that they get cast dispersions upon, okay? And let's say that they choose not to abort their child. Well, okay, you know, they don't. Those men will be around to watch that woman grow in her belly, and then she will go adopt out that child, and then they will cast dispersions upon her for not being a mother. That's what will happen. And you know what? She's she's going to go on with her life. Steven, she's going to go on with her life. She's going to go get a job and pay her taxes and do whatever the hell she's going to do. When, okay? when, you say, when you say they, who is specifically they? I think I tend to think that, that you know, evangelicals and Catholics and social conservatives, okay, okay but do you think are that, the ones who so tend to do when, this. But you're using a specific example. So you say if a woman has a, an abortion, they are going to cast aspersions on her. So you make it sound like... And I'm not criticizing because you and I kind of agree on things. I'm generally kind of a, um, you know what, this is your life. This is your life. You are taking a life, and this is something you're going to have to be judged or deal with. So, but Individually, say, not collectively, yeah, right, right. by a bunch of social no, yeah, conservatives. No, 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 no I, I, yeah, no, I agree with you on that. But when you say they, so I'm trying to walk through the specific situation where you know, girl's going to get an abortion or whatever. She's going down to the Planned Parenthood and then she comes out and then you say they are going to cast aspersions on her. So when you say they, I mean, there's there's this, to me, this mythology that there's like this, you know, bloodthirsty group of like 1950s 
evangelicals with the hair grease and the signs in the tucked in shirts chasing Dude, they want to know where you live. Bullshit. Some of these people want to know where you, know where you live. But where are you getting that from? Because they pass laws in Texas, man, and you know what? They're going to be minders and law enforcement agencies what? to, but hold on. to what put law, together. What law, They're going to come. What law was passed in Texas that said if a woman has an abortion, we're going to find we're we're going to federalize your address and then come knock on your door and arrest you. I'm saying the enforcement, uh, the enforceability, if it becomes a criminal aspect, there will be reports on it. It will be a public crime. No, but no, the only criminal... Okay. No, 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 You don't get out of this. It'll be a public crime to have an abortion and then it will go to the newspapers. Sheila, we're doing really good here. Hold on. So... Okay. All right. I'm going to take it. Yeah. No, we're doing good. We're just, you know, hold on. So you basically said... That if they get an abortion, it's it's going to be criminalized or whatever, and they're going to come knock on your door. Well, there has to be a way of enforcing that and arresting a woman out of a home. So how exactly does that happen? What's the enforcement mechanism of that happens? Because I think you're mostly right on the philosophy of abortion. But when it gets down to, like, the actual nuts and bolts of what the Texas law says, th- there's just not a lot there. So when you say, like, they're going to come in and arrest a woman, and you know what? If if the Texas Yahoo marshals ride their horses up and pull their six shooters and come drag a woman out of her apartment building, I'll be the first one to go, Sheila was right. But that's not what's actually in the law there. And I know that there is the there's the tattletale aspect to the law or whatever that's been misrepresented in the media. But as far as, like, you know, a woman gets an abortion and, and then, you know, the federales are showing up at her door. These are people who can't even enforce the fucking border down there. I don't think that don't, they're... Don't say that. Don't, don't say that because it's not even it's not even the state of Texas. Okay. All right. With with this whole border... and fe- That's a totally different issue. No, I'm telling Biden you that these are charge. people whose priorities are in different places than, you know, dragging someone out of an apartment building with, you know, batter ramming the door, which is kind of what you're making it sound like. And all I'm asking, I'm not asking why you think It's not an extreme example because it's law enforcement, man. Where where did you get that from? Because my interest is- Where did I get it? I mean, it's it's a pub, it becomes a public crime. She can turn herself in, okay? Maybe maybe a cop will show up at the door and escort her. It won't be like this dramatic, like battering ram in the middle of the night. Um, but you know, there was a point where, you know, if someone maybe rooted through your trash, this is just really far out. They found, they rooted through your trash and they found a, an affirmative pregnancy test. Okay. And then they watched your house for, for six months and they realized there was no baby there. They might make a phone call to the minders. Okay. Hold on. Go go check up on that one. So, so who is rooting through the trash for the affirmative pregnancy test? And then weird people, dude. And there's lots of them. Are you talking about a federal official, or are you talking about like a neighbor? Neighbor. Are do you live in? So here, here's my question: Do you live in Texas? Do you oh, have yeah. suspicious neighbors? Yeah. Do you, so you live next door to like Rusty Shackelford? No, but you know there are women who are kind of kind of crazy. They're not they're not making babies right now. And they want a baby, okay? The, you the, heard her, this, fellas. This is, all right, they're they're infertile women who who hate other women who for their fertility. So we're, so so we've narrowed this down to a woman going through the garbage for the pregnancy test and sitting mm-hmm. on the lawn with binoculars. Okay, it's not it's not totally unheard of. There's a whole lifetime, you know, like channel. I think it's, to stuff I think like it's pretty unheard of. 
I think th- I think this situation is pretty unheard of. Okay. All right. Well, it is it is a hypothetical scenario. Okay, but that's but that's my whole problem is we I don't I don't really deal with hypotheticals. I, okay. I, well, know. then let's let's go back to reality. Then you know if if okay. for some reason someone at the hospital, which I I think would be highly likely. Okay, someone uh, draws your blood, and then there's a regulation that requires uh, you to report an, an affirmative uh, or a verified, you know, if, say you go to the OB, just a routine pap smear and checkup, they're just going to... Hold on, we just, we just went from being in the hospital to being at the OB, so where are yeah. we at? Okay, well, we're, we're, at the, we're at the lady doctor. Okay, so, so now we're at the... So, okay. we're, we're at the, at the lady OB, doctor. So keep going. Okay, we're at the we're at the, the lady doctor where they investigate you for lady lady things, and uh, and so I'll just keep it short. They you're in there for your your annual, and then you uh, you send in your blood, you she send in your your chemicals. A biologist. Sorry, and but or just somebody who's gone through it, who who has to who has to do this, um, and then they send your panel back, and they just let you know, hey, you're not pregnant. You didn't ask. They tell you anyway. They they tell you all sorts of stuff you didn't want to know and and like here's here's what your blood returned back and it's like oh oh I didn't even ask you for that you're like well here it is anyway so uh so at that point you know if there's a regulatory requirement you know which we don't know we haven't seen the regulatory minding regs for pregnant women at this point to whether they have to report their their pregnancy to the state of of Texas um, but I, I feel like something will be. That's the next fight, okay? If you're going to federalize anti-abortion or federalize, you know, the, the the requirement that women bring their their pregnancy to term, well, then you're you're going to have to inspect pregnant women, and that's how you would do it. You put a regulation on the health agencies, and so nationalized health care. No, you would it's state health state health requirement. So the scenario you're proposing is that any state health official has to report any pregnant woman to a, what, a state agency or a uh, a, a background or what? Well, I mean, it just depends on the situation. Like, clinics in Texas aren't necessarily state clinics. That's, That's a weird thing right there. And what, I discovered what, that recently. Okay, what do you mean by that, and how did you discover it? Uh, I'm going to give you because I, because I, you, I got I'm into a fight. I'm going to give you ten minutes click talking or uh, clock ticking, uh, just because I want to get other people in. But no, you I, have I, to. I'm so I'm so sorry. I'm I so no sorry. no no. You don't don't apologize. This is fun. This is like this is totally cool. Um, but so when you say. Uh, state agencies or, or or where we would just were whatever before I yeah I, yeah uh, oh, do, do you want me to go no, so, no I don't want you to go stay stay where you're at um, <laughs> <laughs> no I seriously no this is totally this is totally fine um, but when you say like where you think it's going or with state agencies what I do is so, so my argument is not with you my argument is where you are getting your information from to think the things that you are thinking which. Um, I, I really do. I, I'm with you 100% on the sympathizing with overreach. I, I do because I'm I'm a natural skeptic of government, whether it's Texas or whether it's fucking New York City or a- anywhere. Um, because, Too much government of, yes, is bad. Yeah, I'm, a natu- government. I am. I'm a natural skeptic of government, and you can, you know, uh, I, I have several years of 
bylines and writing in places where you can look that up. So I, I, I am a skeptic of government, whether it's Texas or New York City. I'm only skeptical of barbecue if it's the state of Texas. So when I say to you, so when you, you, you're throwing out a lot of things, and some of it to me is I've read, and some of it's coming from places that I that I know where you're getting it. I know where you're getting it from, or whatever. Um, so when you say okay, federalizing or whatever like this, so when you say this is the next step, all I'm kind of asking for is where what is leading you to believe this? What are you reading, or or what are you listening, or to whatever whatever where you're getting this from? Because I think. I think you're philosophically pretty sound, but then you're diving into hypotheticals about women going into their OBGYNs and then being like shuffled out by like the secret police, which it just isn't going to no, happen. No, 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 no. I mean, I, I think that, that um, we're just not there yet. We don't know what the regulatory enforcement landscape looks like, okay? How, how would they enforce this? But the, the particulars haven't been trickled down to these clinics yet. At the point... See the the right the way women's clinics are well, the other uh, thing regulated you you now. Experience with this, that was my other thing. You my my only personal experience with this, so experience experience? With this is, is through a, a privacy hackle, um, because they're digitizing privacy and they're 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 whittling it away um, for for and and pregnancy actually was one of the big bellwethers for the fact that we have no no uh, digital privacy surrounding pregnancy. Um, a young 16-year-old girl started getting coupons from from Target for baby formula and, and baby items. And, you know, her, her father was so livid, she con- he contacted Target, and, and it turns out that his, his daughter was pregnant. And But the, who... Why did Target where, know that? Where, where did you hear this from? Where did you read this? Oh, from? this was years ago. This was a, t- a 2010 article that was published by Cash Hill, and I think it was the New York Times. This was years ago, but but that's the the science, the data science behind marketing. So they can get the data on women and pregnancy now. So, so hold on, so hold um, on. I got you right here. How companies learn your secrets from the New York Times, uh, Charles. Doing uh, for Cash Hill. It's Cash Hill. K A S H H I L L. Yeah. So that article's out there. If people want to go, I'm not going to read this because, like, whatever. But yeah. So it's it's a New York Times article that you're citing from 2012. So go ahead. Okay. Yeah. It was 20. Yeah. It was so many years ago. Um, it's in school books now for people who are analyzing. Oh, great! More CRT. So. <laughs> Anyways, it's not a science where where women are, it's a gray zone where government actors could get access to that information, and I think that that's why period apps and um, uh, you know cycle regulation uh, applications and even things that people you buy online are already surveilling your reproductive. Sheila, Sheila, do you think mm-hmm. that so we, this was this was something that actually came up is that there was there was a, a few pundits and I and I don't know their names off the top of my head, but they said to, to start deleting period apps. Now, mind mm. you, I don't have a period, even though I can apparently also give birth. Um, um, so I but I saw this. I saw these these people saying delete your period apps because the government can then track um you know, your pregnancy cycles or whatever, and then if you've had an abortion. So what do you think 
So to me, this makes a good tweet, right? It's a, it's a great tweet. It's something that scare. I mean, the best tweets are the ones that scare people, get people to go, "Oh shit, I saw this thing on Twitter." But what do you think is the next natural step if someone to, if someone has a period app? And trust me, I'm a, I'm a conservative libertarian, so I know that I, I don't even have TikTok installed on my fucking phone. I'm one of the guys who has a piece of tape over my webcam. Oh, yeah. So, You're talking to that person right now. Like, I've got right. a piece of tape over my, well, that's my webcam right now. Yeah, well, that's why we're getting along. But my point is, is that what's the next step here? If government is tracking, and mind you, we have a government that is controlled by a Democratic Ugh, president. It's not government. That's the problem, Stephen, is, is that it's the marketing. It's the, so, it's the, it's, it's so the, then what is, what is it's the next Peter step Thiel. It's Peter Thiel who would be like, okay, you want, you want Sheila Dean? How much of Sheila Dean do you want? Do you want pregnancy tests? Okay, I got you. And then just, you know, uh, 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 here's your money. And, they fork over the data. That's how it. That's the gray market, but, dude. But Peter Thiel, that is the gray market. He's like you. Yes, I know. He just he'd be making money off of women who 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 want to be sold to the government. That I I have nothing to say. <laughs> Thiel is uh he's an aberration, dude. He's he is a true fascist, fascist libertarian. Fix it. I don't know. It's that's, noise. There's a little bit of irony. Um, Sheila, Sheila, give me, give me, you got, I'll give you one minute to throw in whatever you want uninterrupted. I've enjoyed this. This was great. And like I said, I, you're, you're right. I do have kind of a sausage fest of followers, um, but I do need to get back to All that. Right. I'll give you one minute yeah, uninterrupted. You do. Just throw it out. Just give me, give me, give me everything unbridled about what you think about this and what you hate about it. Go. Well, here, here's the deal is that in a state like Texas, they are this gray area of regulatory is is going to have to get settled. I, I think they they know that women are in a in a tender headed place. They do not want women to reject their government. Um, so, you know, it, it is going to have to be HIPAA compliant for one. Um, there will have to be a limit on what the government will ha- can and a- can ask for in a regulatory environment. Um, what Areas will they be reaching for, or, or who will the law the law apply to in for, in terms of conformance? Will there be any penalty to healthcare providers for not providing the information in surveillance? Uh, who will be surveilled and under what context for the, these criminal acts of conducting themselves, you know, towards the act of abortion? Because it's pretty hefty. It's like a hundred thousand dollars fine and, and like up to twenty years. It's super super heavy. And so if you assist someone in the act of aborting, that's that's like an attempted murder charge almost. Um, so we're going to have to look deeper, you know, put a big spotlight on the regulatory application for these, you know, because it's going to be it's going to go to the administrative state. It's going to go to Greg Abbott's office and Ken Paxton's office to develop the regulations in like HHS. So Ken Paxton... Governor Abbott and HHS and like you know maybe two or three other involved agencies they are going to co-develop the regulations and the regulatory environment around this and so women who may not want to share this information with the state need to figure out what their game plan is and and really pay close attention about how their pregnancies will be considered a criminal matter by some weird lo- loophole. So well, you have to be but, care- careful. 
the good news is Texas women who are concerned about their privacy rights for pregnancy can move to New York where their gun rights are then considered not private there. Uh, Sheila, what's your substack? Oh, it's uh, it's Sheila M. Dean, S-H-E-I-L-A-M-D-E-A-N.com okay. uh, forward slash, you know, substack, I think, or substack. <laughs> dot substack uh, dot com. There yeah, you go. Whatever. Dot uh, substack dot com. Sheila, this was fun. Thank um, you. I appreciate your thoughts, and I'm glad you spoke up. And um, I, I, we, we could, pr- me, you and I could probably just like do this for another two hours, but we have weekends to get on with. And and you have people in um, your queue. Yeah, I know a lot of dudes in my queue. A lot. Of you have Donna in your in queue. queue. Yeah, Donna. We don't we don't underestimate Donna. She she's 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 a VIP around these parts. So whatever. But uh, I wanted to invite you because I saw you in comments. I wanted to invite you up, and I appreciate you speaking. And this was fun. And just come back, and then next time you have to get in the queue with all the other dudes. Okay, I'll do it. That's fair. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Uh, So that was was Sheila. Um, Matt, sorry about that. That was unexpected and unplanned for. We're going to keep going. Um, But, no, that was fun. So here, here's Matt from for you. Here's Matt from Boston, <laughs> um, or New Jersey. No, it's Matt from Boston. Um, no, I was. I'm totally. I'm totally for for uh, listening, hearing some of that stuff out. I think Sheila's. I think Sheila's pretty good philosophically. Agree, um, but ninety nine percent of that was. She, she all, might be one of my new favorite kooky libertarians. Go all, ahead, Matt. All about more voices, not less. Except when. It just goes on. Um, I'm calling about guns and and hockey. If that's okay, you're, you're gonna do what? Sorry, go ahead. Guns and yes, hockey. let's do guns and hockey. I'm fucking tired of abortion. Sheila, <laughs> um, I'll tie it into abortion because it's it's relevant. What if, what um, if we use? How about this? What if an avalanche player got drunk during the parade, got a girl pregnant, and then told her to shoot herself to kill the baby. Now we've worked in hockey and, and abortion and guns. Yeah, my my hockey talk is qu- quick. Um, Bruins fan, obviously. Oh, you're you're going to love Nazem Kadri because that's where he's going. Yeah. And I hate to be that guy who name drops, but I'm going to. I'm actually was fairly friendly with Andy Ference when he used to play for the Bruins. Um, a lot of the Bruins players lived in like two neighborhoods in Boston. And they're very accessible. The racist neighborhoods. Cool guys hung out. Yep. And um, basically when they won the cup, my experience when they won the cup is they basically just drank for two weeks straight and everyone in Boston drank w- with them for two weeks straight. Like in every bar in around town, they went out every night and uh, just a really good experience. So good for you for the avalanche wisher in Denver celebrating. Um, Me too. The, the thing that I want to call about the, the, the gun stuff, because obviously like the conversation in the last couple of weeks has been like, more people have an easier ability to get a gun than to have an abortion and, and all that. Just to kind of give you an idea how it works in Massachusetts, we're a highly regulated state when it comes to gun ownership. Um, it is not easier to get a gun in Massachusetts Matt, than it is. Let, to let get me ownership. ask you something. Yeah. Do you think vaginas should be more heavily regulated than guns? Do you? Th- so when you're talking to a girl at a bar, do you wish you could like pull up an instant background check on her vagina? Yes or no? I mean, no. <laughs> I'm not Sheila. <laughs> I, I, the the gun the gun stuff in Massachusetts is pretty is pretty is pretty strict though because 
I know you're always interested how Which is even work funnier the- if you go back to how Massachusetts was formed in, in the Union. Yeah. So going back to the, what I was just going to mention, just going to be brief. Um, in, in Massachusetts, I know you're always trying to figure out like what happens at a local level. Ma- Massachusetts, you can apply for a gun, but it is solely up to the discretion of the chief of the police of the town you live in. And depending on their leanings politically, they can basically deny you the ability to get a license to carry. You could be no have, have no criminal record, but depending on what town you live in, there is the chief of police who has the authority to say yes or no. They don't do a background check. They can literally just interview you when you go in because that's the process in the states. You go in, you interview, you say, hey, I want to. I, I passed my firearm certificate class. You go in and the chief of police, either themselves or they have somebody that does the interviews, they can basically say with their discretion, yeah, we want to give you the ability to the LTC or not. Um, and there are certain towns in Massachusetts that are obviously very liberal that the chief of police just says no. Like there are towns that I know that people when they move out of the state that they don't bother even going and getting it because they'll get shot down, pun intended. But yeah, so very restrictive in Massachusetts. Um, and very easy to get an abortion up to 26 weeks. And uh, you can be 16 and older. If you're less than 16, you just need to have a parent or guardian. So, But you didn't answer my question. In Massachusetts, especially with Boston girls, do you think a gun or a vagina should be more he- heavily regulated in Massachusetts or Boston? <laughs> I'm not, not going to comment on that. No, you have just to, or for, I'm going to boot for, you. You have to. <laughs> That's fine. I'll, t- I'll take off on that one. Take care. <laughs> sleeping. No. Oh, he did. He actually left. Um... Oh, no. <laughs> oh, Matt. Matt, come back. You, you have to answer the question. Um, Donna. Finally, we're going to end the sausage fest except for Sheila. Um, I mean, Sheila does have a point. There is just a big lying lawn of dudes talking about, and I'm going back. I see town moron who I love, Ian, Lance, David, Zach, Andrea. Um, So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take Andrea after I take Donna because Sheila had a point. She she might be one of my new favorite kooky libertarian subscribers, but she did have a point. There's just a big lying lawn of fucking dudes here. So I'll take Andrea after I take Donna. Um, and Joseph, you're just going to have to wait. Donna, how are you? Sorry to keep you waiting for two weeks while I had COVID. Um, <laughs> give, me, give me your fun thoughts on what you've seen this week or in this room. Hello, Stephen. I wanted to say congratulations on your abs. Yeah, it's been a fun um, time. I, I'm also from Massachusetts. Um, so Donna, I should a gun be a more heavily regulated fan, was- in Boston than a vagina? Guns are definitely more regulated. No, that's not what I asked. Should a gun should a gun be more heavily regulated than Boston girls? Vagina? No, no, no. The vagina is definitely regulated. Matt Matt wasn't going to say it because he didn't want to get slapped (laughs) in some bar in Selfie or something. (laughs) We all think that Matt is. We all think that like Matt is Leonardo DiCaprio and the Departed. Right. Exactly. So I a couple things. I wanted to ask if you heard about um, Lord Stanley being delivered to the wrong house. You know how that the is literally probably the least worst thing that has happened to the Stanley Cup ever. 
Um, I, I, to go off down this, here, here's the thing with Stanley Cup, and I've talked about and I mean, I could go off on this forever, is even if you don't play hockey, the Stanley Cup is pretty much the most revered trophy in all of sports. And it doesn't mean like, you know, I, I would, I, I, I mean, just as a guy who plays hockey and grew up on it and whatever, um, I mean, it takes you 16 games to win it. And, and every single guy at the end of it either is missing a tooth or has a black eye or is in a walking, excuse me, in a walking boot or whatever. But you, you can argue there are more popular sports that have trophies. You can argue the Super Bowl, the Vince Lombardi trophies is kind of fun. It's a football with a triangle. Okay. Uh, the World Cup is, you know, a- an actual world playing for a trophy. And it's just like this, this thing that looks like a turd with a ball on it. But you really do have the Stanley Cup, which is like this is a trophy where you get your, it's the only trophy where you get your name engraved on it for at least 65 years now. Um, they stopped putting rings on the trophy because it got too big to hold. So that now that now it's you get your name on the trophy for 65 years, then they take the ring off, they place it in the Hockey Hall of Fame. And if you know anything about the stories of this trophy and, and people, what was interesting to me as an, as an Avalanche fan is I paid attention to other teams winning and I paid attention to like Alexander Ovechkin just fucking that thing for three weeks straight while getting drunk in public. Um, but it's interesting to as someone who was in Denver for the 2001 Cup win, I was there and I was there for 96 as well. The only parade I've been to is a 96 parade. And to see it like in the social media age where you see these dumbasses, these like these douche hockey frat boys dropping it at clubs and like drowning babies in it and doing whatever is, is it's a completely different realization where like you see your favorite players like, Oh my God, that guy just totally dropped it. Or um, the latest revelation for the avalanche is they were going to take the Stanley cup to Vegas, which if you fucking hate the golden Knights, like I do, that's amazing. That's great. And the NHL stepped in and actually removed the cup from them because they damaged it on the ice when they dropped it, which is a fault of the Florida shitty ice. No offense, Ron DeSantis, who was probably in this room. And then they were at a party last night at the club, and one of the dudes lifted it over his head and didn't realize how heavy it was, and he literally falls on the fucking club floor with it and dented it again. So now the NHL came in last night and said, we're taking it away, we're going to repair it. (laughs) Now they're just going to Vegas without the Stanley Cup. But if you know stories about this trophy, it's 116 years old, it had to be fished out of the East River for fuck's sakes, when the New York Rangers won it. It's been, the things that have been done to this, uh, done to this trophy physically. Um, the Stanley Cup is the Taylor Lorenz of sports trophies, okay? Let's just put it that way. This this thing would be writing blog posts about how Dave Weigel said mean things to it. Um, so, yeah, but that's kind of also the point of it. Um, it, it really is a fun trophy to see. And it, despite who wins it, even though the Dallas Stars never won it or if it's the Red Wings, it is really fun to see any team win it. But, yeah, when it's your team, you're like, yeah, this is pretty fun. Well, those, those in charge of the trophy sent it to the wrong house. So they made a big mistake. Yeah. Too. and then what if they, the people... But they, the cool thing was the, the two guys. So it's two guys who, who travel with it at all times. And the funniest thing is they look like the fucking Bee Gees. They have, like, the flowering <laughs> hair and the white gloves. And so they rolled up to like 
Gabriel Landeskog's house, who's Gabriel Landeskog is for those who aren't hockey fans, which, you know, just leave the room. Um, he's the captain of the avalanche and apparently they rolled up to the wrong address and like the dad comes out and it's like, Oh yeah, we have your cup. And he's like, what, what, what cup? And they roll up this cup, but they were nice enough to, once they learned there was the wrong house, they were still nice enough to like, let him, um, they were nice enough to let him still take pictures with it and still have it on the lawn. And that's kind of the fun thing about hockey. You don't, you don't get this in any other sports. You don't get this in the NBA or the NFL. And so it's just, there's always a fun story. I, I can tell you, um, what Matt was saying, how accessible the Bruins are. Um, I'm old enough that I was alive when they won it in 72. And they actually used to train um, at the Wallace Civic Center, which was only like 12 miles from my house. And uh, I got to meet all the Stanley Cup winners. Esposito, Bobby Orr, Cheevers, all those guys. Um, in fact, my father got me out of school, told Mother Superior that... Uh, my grandmother died, which she hadn't. <laughs> she was already dead and uh, took me out of school. And he said, you want to go watch the Bruins? And I was like, yeah. So we went down to the Wallace Six Center to watch them train. And I got all their autographs. It was really cool. Um, and when they won the Stanley Cup, he had a great idea to let's go to Boston and meet him at the airport. And uh, everybody else in Massachusetts had the same idea. And we got stuck in the Callahan Tunnel for like five hours and <laughs> the cops even made us all shut off our uh, shut off the cars because they didn't want everybody to be asphyxiated <laughs> anyway th- that's my hockey story um i was wondering um if you were interested in discussing i i know handgun isn't i already did my abortion talk with with you and your listeners so i'm not going to go that route tonight um if you heard about new york is thinking about requiring um social media uh, accounts if you apply for a handgun because they want to verify your character and conduct. Um, it wouldn't shock me. I, I have not, I've not seen this, but of course it's how cool and it's Eric Adams. So no, that wouldn't shock me if that's the way they want to go. Um, we already saw this and this, this is one of the funniest things is um, back when Obamacare was passed, 2013, 2013, 2014, there was a story, I don't remember where it was, about asking your handgun status when you just went to the doctor. So everyone goes to a doctor. It can be for anything. It could be urgent care. It could be your office. It could be for strep throat. It could be for a sprained wrist. It could be for anything. And you go in and you sign your forms. You pay for your forms or whatever. And then you check the boxes. You know, do you have diabetes? Do you have Ebola? Do you have AIDS? Do you have, do you have a history of heart attacks? Whatever. All those little boxes that most of us just go, no, 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 no. And on those forms, they added, do you own a handgun or do you own a firearm? And that was kind of the first one of those where you kind of go, wait, what? Like, yeah. hold on, I'm, I'm here for a cough or I'm here for an earache. Like, what the fuck? And so I, I haven't read this. I, I don't know. I don't know where it's true or anything. You'd have to send me a link. But is it one of these things where I, I go, is it New York? Yeah. Does it shock me? No. Um, but this is also the problem of red flag laws. Um, to just kind of go off on your point is, I, I said this in my podcast, and I don't, and Joe Biden just signed this into law. And this was the thing that was missed. It's like, hold on, what? wait, what did he just sign? Wait, what? 
is in theory, red flag laws are good to me. It's like if you, we just saw this story break in San Antonio, Texas, an Amazon warehouse employee made some social media posts. He told someone, I'm going to go shoot it up. He owned an AR-15 and then the San Antonio police stepped in and arrested him. And we have a mugshot. And I know you're going to get kind of the extreme libertarian and conservative right who say, hold on, but he didn't commit a crime. This is almost pre-crime. Right. I mean, this is, this is kind of minority report shit. Exactly. But, but this is always the problem with red flag laws. My, and this is the problem with most laws when you get down to it. Is It's not the philosophy. It's not the idea behind the law. It's who the fuck is enforcing it. So now we have New York stepping in and we're going to enforce social media posts with red flag laws. Well, what does that entail? Are, are you ta- if there's one person who is just let's say you have one person on Twitter who's like his can na- his 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 screen name is like AR15 Chungus Lover 69 and everything is he's posting is I'm going to shoot that or I'm going to shoot that and he's showing like a photo of the skyline of Buffalo because who doesn't want to shoot that <laughs> or he's showing like a cartoon or whatever but then you get down to what is parody, what is a meme, what is what what is it? It's kind of like the four chanization of federal law. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and who's my problem who's, is it's my problem isn't so much red flag laws in philosophy. My problem is who is enforcing them, and how do they get enforced? Right, and can you imagine um, now that Nina Jankowitz isn't uh, in charge of the Ministry of Misinformation? It's Kamala Harris, who these, you know, these leftist nuts, they're against guns altogether. They could very much so take a meme and say, oh, this person's dangerous just because. I don't think you step further and say (laughs) that will happen. I don't think that this happened in the case of San Antonio. In San Antonio, it seemed to be pretty serious. This is a guy who, who talked to coworkers about it. He had posted about it. And so it seemed like they did the right thing. But you're right. It's going to come down to someone making a joke or someone posing with their gun online on their Instagram feed. And th- this is kind of my problem with the political right of people who said, yes, red flags, red flag laws pass them now. And it's kind of like, yeah, I'm with you, but who's going to decide where to step in with the red flag laws? And if, and if you think that I trust Kathy Halkel to do that oh. or the health, you know, the Surgeon General of the state of New Jersey, I just, I just don't. Yeah, you've got people posting pictures like Christmas morning in front of the Christmas tree, the whole family, you know, including the seven-year-old. They're all holding AR-15s. The libs want to throw them in prison, you know? It's definitely going to be abused at some point. These red flag laws, even if it's a, uh, an angry girlfriend, you know, who knows? It's it just, they're bad. I don't know why. Mitch McConnell and his fledglings went for it. Just, it just seems like a very bad idea to me, and it certainly will be abused, um, as anything can be abused. Yeah, it will I, definitely. Yeah, anyone who knows me knows that I'm pretty much pro anything cocaine Mitch decides to do. The main reason I think a lot of GOPers went on board with this is because it excluded a lot of the original things Biden was asking for. If if you look at what was passed as compared to what 
what they were proposing, almost nothing they were proposing actually passed. And mm-hmm. so you know, this is one of these things where I know I'm going to be shouted down by the Mark Levins, like, nah, yeah, you <laughs> cock, you sold out, nah. Um, I know I'm going to be, I know I'm going to be drowned out by that, but I look at it and say, it's, it looked like Mitch McConnell and a few of the, of the GOPers were just saying like, yes, let's just do this and get this out of the news when Mm -hmm. nothing, nothing that was, was originally proposed actually made it into this bill. Like almost not like the, the, the John Cornyn stuff, almost nothing made it into this bill. Now, I'm kind of with you. I'm like, fuck these people. Don't work with them on anything. I don't know why you're doing this five months in front of an election that you're going to win when you know that even though you're doing it for this reason, you're going to get drowned out by the Lauren Ingrams and the Mark Levins and and whoever else. Um, But I I also look at it and I say, yeah, okay, nothing. This was kind of like the Trump administration banning bump stocks after – I think it was the the Texas shooting also at the church. Yeah, but, he took a lot of guff over that. Right, but but this but this also leads you to okay, but is he is that ever going to be held against him? No, because probably in two years, no one's going to remember this. And so, I'm just going along with the the political calculation of what I think McConnell is thinking, which is nothing serious that they wanted actually made it into the bill that we signed. Um, does that still mean that you should have signed on to it? Eh, I kind of don't think you should have. I think you kind of sit here and go, none of this matters. None of this would have stopped the shooter. None of this would have stopped this gun. None of this would have stopped any of this. But, you know, that's just kind of the new cycle we live in. Yeah, and it won't have anything to measure up against. I mean, we won't know how many shootings it did stop if it's used properly, right? How would we know? Like, um, the, the one who shot at McDonald's, this is ages ago. You know, he, he called mental health facilities all day long before he went down and he killed, like, I don't know, at the time it was the biggest mass killing in, in American history. You know, like 29 people, something like that. Um, you know, he sought help all day long. Of course, somebody should have stepped in. For a red flag law, would have maybe taken his guns away, you know. Um, but you won't have a measure to know whether or not that person would have actually gone out and done something. So it bothers me. And yeah, in six months before the midterms, I think it was a bad idea uh, all the way around. I guess what you're saying is it's the lesser of the evils that could have gotten passed, right? Is that kind of where you're going with that? Yeah, I, I look at it and I think that I, I look at it and I say that people, conservative media especially, and normies have a very, un-nu- I don't want to say unnuanced, that's, that's the wrong word they have a very primal view of things and it gets revved up about, you know, establishment, the establishment sold you out, which that's what led ultimately to Donald Trump. And, uh, you know, John Boehner is a perfect example of this. John Boehner was looked at as like a weepy crying, you know, sellout who was weak and whatever. But John Boehner sued the Obama administration nine times and he won all nine lawsuits, like at the Supreme Court. And I think that there's this entertainment value where, you know, and, and I reference people like Laura Ingram in particular, where, you know, John, they look at they look at anything other than an immediate victory as a failure. So, like, let's say uh, Obama signs an executive order. Right. And I'm going back because this is what happened. And I was one of these people who went, hold on, wait a minute. We kind of actually won this. So Obama was signing an executive order. 
people would then go, how is he allowed to do this? Whatever. John Boehner would come out and say, we're angry at this. We're going to fight this. Uh, conservative media, like Fox News, like Laura Ingram, Mark Levin, yeah, will come out and say, you're not fighting. Yeah, you're not fighting hard enough. And they would file a lawsuit and then it would take 16 months and then, a lo- and then it would go to court or it would go to SCOTUS and it would be overturned and John Boehner would win. And so I look at it and say, because politics has become so much ingrained into entertainment, it's become such a part of our infotainment that we demand an immediate kind of, in, you know, endorphin release that if we don't get this immediately, then we've lost. And John Boehner's weak and Mitch McConnell's weak. And I was, I was always one of those guys. So I'm like, no, they're not like Mitch McConnell is like, one of the greatest, like how he might be the greatest Senate majority leaders of all time, but because he's not loud and he's not on Fox news, it doesn't break through. The only reason I'm referencing this is because you're seeing this exact same thing now happen on the political left. The exact same thing. Roe v. Wade gets overturned and you can argue, as I've said in my intro, it's probably the greatest, like, government uh, judicial defeat of the political left in the last 50 years. I would argue that this is not an inconsequential thing. So then Biden comes out and he, he just says, uh, 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 huh? and then he gets on an airplane, he flies away and the political left is sitting here going, what the fuck, man? Why didn't you just like abolish the Supreme court? Why didn't you just order, you know, <laughs> why did you just go full Palpatine and order, you know, Jedi order 66 or whatever it is. Um, why didn't you just abolish the court? Why didn't you just abolish the Senate? Like, motherfucker, you just went and got on an airplane. And so th- th- that's kind of where I'm at when I said earlier, the left is going to go through their own Tea Party movement here. The-, the only problem is, is they have a president of their own party. So they can't really oust their own president. Although I'm pretty sure there's a pretty good chance that they're going to do that. Um and so I, I, I look at this stuff and I go, we're, we're addicted to short-sighted endorphin political victories. And the simple fact of the matter is politics is rarely about that. The Roe v. Wade thing was 50 years in the making. And what's funny to me is I see even people on the right saying, we worked for this for 50 years. We worked and we worked and we worked and finally it was overturned. It's like, wait a second. Not really. I mean, you guys kind of depended on a lunatic beating Hillary Clinton. And then he appointed three SCOTUS justices, which is if that's what it is, then I'm, I'm fine with that. Accept that. But to say that you worked and worked and worked and worked for 50 years, that's not really what happened. It basically was, you know, Bush appointing, uh, um, Thomas. Then, of course, you had the Republican presidents, um, of course, Bush Jr. Uh, appointing Roberts, which turned out to not be great, but then Alito, and then Trump appointing the other three justices. So I look at it and I say, politics, because it's such a form of entertainment now, you need immediate gratification. And trust me, I get it. When Roe v. Wade was tossed, this was a, a really super moment of, of gratification for the political right. Um, but this idea that, yeah, you know, eh, we're losing. No, I, I've never bought into that. Like I said, John Boehner won nine decisions against Barack Obama. But you wouldn't know that because of how, like, Laura Ingram sold it. Well, they're kind of, it's kind of oranges and apples, though. 
I mean, yeah, a constitutionalist will say what happened with Roe v. Wade, which I am one, um, sent it back to the states, which is where it should have been all, all along. And vote the people in that you want to do what you want them to do. Um, with these red flag laws, however, now it's going to have to be adjudicated in order to get it overturned. You know what I mean? So it, it's going to take a long time now to get rid of these. When Anytime a law is, is put in place, it's very hard to get rid of it. You know? So I, I guess. Well, and we've seen saying. that. We, we've seen like now, what is it? There's been three states where a district judge has tried to block um, the trigger law. I think Alabama was one, Florida was one, but that's going to go to the Supreme Court of Florida where Ron DeSantis is going to have six appointees. And so I, I kind of, when I see the blocking of these laws, and trust me, I'm one of these guys where I'm just like, how the fuck can a law be passed, a governor can sign it, and then a district judge, a federal district judge can just go, sorry. I, I literally look at that and I'm going, this is this is fucking bullshit. And it's, it doesn't even matter if it favors my team or not. Yeah. I just look at this and that I go, legislating, that's ridiculous. Legislating from the bench is absolute bullshit. Right. But you have to also understand this is what Democrats counted on for the last 25 years. And there's, there's some of us, you know, other people older than I am who said, this is going to blow up in your face eventually. If you try to do this, you're not going to hold the judiciary uh, forever. And there's also no binding resolution. There's no binding legislation where a judge can't cite any previous uh, ruling. And so it's eventually going to be overturned. And all you're counting on is holding power. And anyone who knows me knows that I'm someone where I'm like, don't count on holding power and don't ever use power that can be used against you because that's just going to lead down a bad place. So um, that, that's kind of my that, that that's kind of my objection to red flag laws. Is I'm like, yeah, in philosophy, this might sound good, um, but this isn't going to go anywhere good because, like we started this out, you're going to get people who are going to be investigated or arrested. Um, so, sort of going back to what Sheila said in our abortion discussion impromptu TED talk is you're going to have people investigated for things where the government has no. Uh, authority to investigate people over. And what's really interesting is you're seeing a confluence of an issue, like a tentpole, you know, totem religious issue of the left was his abortion clashing with a tentpole issue with the political right, which is abortion versus gun rights. And so, no, I, I'm not a fan of red flag laws, although in theory they might stop mass shootings, but they're also going to entrap a lot more people than they should. Uh, Donna, uh, give me any like last minute thoughts here. This I'll appreciate hearing, and, and you can weigh in on abortion again if you want to. I don't care. Um. Well, um, I don't want to see it go away, and I'd be a hypocrite if I said I did because I had to access it once myself. Um, but I don't want to see you know keep the baby comfortable till we kill it either. You know, so a compromise would be nice. I don't want to see women. You know, uh, Sheila's scenario was absolutely frightening. I mean, my God, but, you know, who knows? Someday that may very well start happening. So I'd hate to see that. My God. Um, no, I just want to close by saying I'm glad you're better and your COVID's gone away. And, um, again, I'm happy that you're Avalanche one, and I hope you have a wonderful fourth. 
my COVID, I think, has mostly gone away. I was able to skate. I did. I did play a hockey game, and it was mostly fine. Um, and I, I am too happy about my Avalanche. I just need my Islanders. I was really like that was like what two years ago, where my both my Avalanche and my Islanders could have made the finals, and that's just what I was going for. Um, we're going to go through uh, eight the, the eight callers that are here, and I don't have it's. Uh, we'll end with JD Haldigan. And uh, Sheila's right. We're going to continue with this sausage fest. Joseph, you're up. What's on your mind, man? I haven't talked to you in a couple of weeks. Hello. Great to talk to you again. Joseph, did you get an abortion this week? Uh, no, but I could have. How could you could have? Explain. Uh, apparently, anyone can be a woman now. Are you pregnant, Joseph? No. I got nobody to screw Okay. But, um, well, keep going. Yeah. Oh, but anyway, so yeah, I'm, I'm kind of where you. I'm kind of where you are. Where like I'm kind of tired of talking about abortion because I've seen every terrible infograph slash meme on Instagram, and I think I'm my brain is slightly fried. But I think what's kind of interesting is happening in my state is that well, in Virginia, it's that like. Uh, Youngkin is pushing for the 15-week abortion ban, and though he's trying to, I think they're trying to, like, I know the state Senate is trying to construct the bill in a way to make it into a bipartisan effort, but the problem is Senate Democrats don't want to budge. So it's kind of interesting where that's going to go, even though they hold a very, like, slim majority. So it's going to be interesting where that goes, because they want to get it done at least by when the General Assembly meets, like, in January. Uh, Joseph, where where are you on this? Are you strict pro life? Are you? I will accept a fifteen to twenty week abortion. Uh, I, I don't suspect you're totally like cuckoo crazy Amanda Marcotti from Salon off the deep end. But where are you on this? Are you? Uh, are you? No, there should be a federal abortion ban. Um, this is fifteen weeks. I know we're all tired of talking about this, but that's just kind of where we're at, and I'm going to kind of put you on the spot. So, like, wh- where are you on this, and what are your thoughts on what Sheila had to say? Because she was kind of like libertarianish off off this whole thing, where it was um, the state might start to criminalize this, and are you, would you be okay if the state started to criminalize this? So, where are you on all this stuff? Um, I am pro life. I am. I am kind of, I kind of have more of a somewhat moderate view on it where like I don't I think in my mind it's that like I'm not for like completely criminalizing abortion I think it's like I'm mostly fine with just like within the stretch of 15 weeks and but after that you cut it off because um I've seen polling on this before where it's that like most Americans are fine like if it's like first trimester but like when it gets to like the second and third trimester that's when they start to get a little queasy so that's why I think I kind of just soften like my hardest stance on like abortion, and I not I think I've already said this that like I'm not for criminalizing it. So it's kind of like interesting like where to see like where like states and of like Alabama or Texas kind of like take this. So it's like uh, I don't have much of, like a hard line stance. I, I forget what what state are you in? If you don't mind me asking, I think I forgot. I think I, I see this already, but. I'm in I'm in Virginia with uh you know with you know Glenn Glenn Youngkin that got elected like long ago. Oh, so. okay. So you're in Youngkin so country. <laughs> yeah, we're, uh, I'm in Youngkin country, so he's pushing for the 
50 week abortion ban and, and the thing state said is trying to like i said like trying to like get it to have like some bipartisan support but unfortunately like you know state democrats here don't want to budge um in your opinion who is who is and this is a fascinating and i and i've dove into this a little bit who do you think is like more willing to budge in their philosophy on this is it the political right who thinks that abortion is murder but we'll accept 15 weeks eh, you know eh. or is it the political left which is like oh god the head we can see the head kill it who do you think is more willing to compromise on this? And I'm generally asking. I don't. I don't really know. I mean, mostly, I'm asking your opinion. I mean, mostly that. Like, yeah, from looking at the case, like at least the, the right is trying to like break some ground, whereas the left is like, no, absolutely, fuck you. We want to kill a baby. Because <laughs> I, I, I try. I have tried my best to hold some nuanced to pro-choices because I know it's like they. I know some of them are not diehard gleeful about like murdering a baby in the womb but the problem is that like you see a lot of these like you know radical like activist voices that get elevated on like you know the news and like social media and also is that like they're not that well informed on these issues so they can get like belligerently stupid so and for i I guess for this week for example like you had you saw this picture of this couple holding a sign gleefully saying we will adopt your baby and first when i saw that i was like oh that's cool but then you immediately had a bunch of like pro choicers just shitting on that couple and just like making fun of them. And that's kind of, I was like, all right, I'm fucking done with you people. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm fully admit some of those memes were kind of funny. Oh, yeah. Um, I, like I, so I, they I, did like, they did like Ivanka and Jared staring out the window. Yeah. Um, I, I, so I can appreciate the humor, but he, so, but you're kind of right, which is, um, you had people who said you don't have, you don't have to have an abortion. We'll we'll you can carry it to term and we'll adopt it. And then they were like, "Well, that's fucking creepy. You look like you know church, church cultists from Children of the Corn." Um, and one thing I've argued, and you you can weigh in on this also, is I do think the political right needs to advocate for if if you're going to advocate for a culture of quote you know quote life or unquote life you do need to make these things easier, which means you do need to make issues of adoption easier. And then how do we go about that? I don't really know. I, I, I don't know the process of adoption. I know it's very difficult and I know it's very expensive, much like immigration. So how do we go about making adoption more accessible? So I don't know if you've got thoughts on that or whatever. Um, but I did see that. I did see these couples who are like, we, we will adopt your baby. The funniest thing to me about that meme is it was kind of like the movie Juno with um, Elliot Page, who's now just another white male taking roles from minorities in Hollywood. Yeah. But this was my biggest problem with like the movie Juno, which I thought was okay for the most part. It was like, you know, a teenager dealing with pregnancy aborted. And then you had a nice white couple coming to adopt it. And, and then I'm going to keep it. But no, I'm not. And so I thought it was okay, but it, it was also just, it totally just like shook off the whole process. Like, ah, I can just get rid of this, whatever. And Jason Bateman will adopt it. And that's kind of like the, the hypocrisy of the political left, which is, look, we're willing to like help you do anything but kill it. Whether it be six weeks, 15 weeks, 30 weeks, 60 weeks, maybe you're an elephant. I don't know. Um, and then the second that we step in and go, look, we'll we'll help you with this. They make fun of you as like a creepy cultist, but they've done this with every issue down the line. 
And so I, I guess I kind of look at it and say, yeah, the memes are funny, but the acts that, but you presenting a meme is you unwilling to deal with the actual situation at hand. Yeah, I agree with most of all that, especially on the portion of like the right should like shift and shift in a way to like offer like more pro family policies. I've seen that kind of like I've seen a few people kind of advocate that like on you know from the right on Twitter, and I do like somewhat agree with that. Just to finally end that stupid talking point that like we don't care that you care about the kids after birth, but yeah, like some of them were funny. Like I think I saw one on Instagram where it's like these two dogs have like this weird, it's like two like you know, I think pugs or whatever, and they have this like weird kind of like smile, and they're like, "Well, doctor, baby," and like that was probably like my favorite one. But other than that, it's like yeah, it's like. It's like we're it's like we're kind of like putting the nail, trying to put the nail into those arguments of like, hey, we actually like want to care for the child. We're not like uncaring assholes. But then it's like when they go like treating, you know, say like religious people as like weird subhuman mongols, then it's like, all right, then fuck you then. Which I've kind of noticed, like they've also done it with like say, um, gun owners too, where they treat sort of like you know gun culture as like this weird kind of like sort of, like, weird mutant culture in a way, like, it's, like, fucking, like, they treat, like, gun owners like they're weird, like, animals in a way, like, they, like, when John Oliver, like, shows, like, stupid shit on his show, kind of mocking, like, gun owners and stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, just please don't quote John Oliver. Let's not do that while we're here. Do you have anything closing before we do this, like, in another three weeks? Um, I... <clears throat> Uh, my one closing thought is I'm actually happy that like John Oliver got some shit on him for like that stupid uh how like rent sec housing rent subject that he had on last week. I think uh Reason had a good like article article dunking on him for that. Uh I saw a, I saw a funny thing about John Oliver where it's just like God, who I don't even remember who said it or who said it either in a piece or on Twitter where they were just like it's the most frustrating thing when like this is a guy who is who has made every opposite failing argument of the of every successful argument that's been made already, or something like I don't I, think, I don't remember like what exactly it was, but it was I just think like that, um, he, I, think he, did, I think that's who I'm talking about. I, I can't. He did it. He did a thing on climate change where he talks about the best way to the best way to. Uh, argue climate deniers is to shout them down. And he brought out like 30 dudes in white coats who just shouted down one person. And I thought, yeah, that's kind of the exact same point we're making that you don't (laughs) actually care about scientific data. You just care about shouting down the other person. So, I mean, that's just, uh, yeah, I mean, he's done a couple of funny things, but it's just like, this is another problem with the political left. They basically turn their entire discourse over to the courts and John Stewart. So but yeah. that's where we're at. Right. So Joseph, thanks. It's good to hear right. from you. Thanks so probably, much. Yeah, we'll probably see you like next week, I'm sure. SEAL team is asking about pugs. No, they're French Bulldogs and they're loud and they're in the background. That that's just what they do. Uh Town Moron, one of my favorites. I don't need to set any of this up. Just give, give me your thoughts. I'm going to try to run through these last seven callers. Um, let's get through them, hopefully, before it turns to July 3rd. Sure. Uh, thanks, Stephen. Um, honestly, I I, uh, I wanted to address the thing that you've mentioned on the podcast and uh, 
brought up at the beginning, which was, well, you know, was, was Trump worth it? Yeah, this was always uh, the, fun with the one. three justices. And, and I will just say, uh, perhaps a biased opinion, uh, personally. Um, but you know, I, I work at a, uh, actually at a libertarian legal nonprofit. And I mean, we were having discussions in October of 2016 that were like, where do we go from here? How, you know, we, we're probably going to have to move to state courts. Uh, we're going to have to look for other ways, you know, look at state constitutions, look at um, non-traditional venues to try and get any sort of victory in the you know near future and maybe even for decades. And I'd say it was pretty split internally between people who thought, you know, Trump might be worth it. And those who thought, just look at him, what are we actually going to trust? You know, what do we actually expect out of this? And, um, you know, I mean, for all of his unbelievably vast amount of faults, um, you know, he stepped in and he outsourced all of the really important stuff to people that were competent and they stuck through with it. And in the meantime, he just went out and did what he likes to do, which is shout and stoke uh, people on the left and distract from all of the stuff that was taking place. And, you know, right now, uh, my organization, I mean, we had two Supreme Court victories last term and we have two cases accepted already for next term that you know, we feel pretty good about. So, I mean... Yeah, yeah. If I if I could go back and I didn't vote for Trump, but if I could go back in time, I'd probably I'd, I'd take that deal. <laughs> here, here, here's a nuanced thing that people like Bulwark and people like Tim Miller and people who surrounded their entire identity around being against Trump are. So, for for those of you who do who who don't know or don't know, so I was the National Review when Against Trump came out. And the funny thing was, is I, I was on the lower part of the totem pole to where I didn't have a heads up <laughs> that that was going to happen. I literally learned about that issue the night that Rich Laurie appeared with Megyn Kelly on Fox News and they put up the against Trump. And the funny thing about that is, is I was kind of the one guy at National Review that was willing to get uh, get online and muck it up with the people because that's just where I came from. And I don't know if they even understood that when they hired me. And so, of course, I was kind of like, yeah, I don't want this guy elected. And, and I wrote several pieces of that effect. And then, of course, he won. And when he won, one, one thing that people who have listened to my podcast talk is, that, is I've always just said, I want to learn how this happened. I, I'm not interested in, you know, I, I want to learn how exactly how this happened. How did this happen on a media level? How did this happen on a, on a right wing level how did this happen all these things and i looked at it and i said uh hey laura can you can you mute your mic for me for a second yep sorry thanks thanks sorry about that i just i was hearing stuff that's a me thing that's not a you thing i just like i i get the urge to like go out and kill everybody if i get distracted um so i looked at it and i said how did this happen and then I said, now we have to judge him as a president. You, you literally have to cut yourself off and say, okay, now he's won. And trust me, to this day, I still go back to the, to the inauguration, and I'm still just gobsmacked. I'm like, 
I can't fucking believe this happened. And part of that comes from me knowing who Donald Trump was through the 90s and through the 80s. And I realize there's a whole younger generation who doesn't get that. But there's this whole lens of Donald Trump that people don't get. Like you have – this was a dude eating pizza backwards in commercials. And it's just like this dude's the fucking president now. And when that happens, you have to be able to detach yourself from the things that you think. And now, okay, here's w- where we are. And now we have to start judging him about how he's a president. And this is one of the most fascinating questions about like what, um, what team moron guy says here is, is was all of this worth it? And I'm talking about, was the escalator worth it? Was being a national view worth it? Was the online abuse worth it? Um, and then the thing in, in how I've answered this, and I'll answer this honestly to the call-in audience, uh, which is mostly probably at this point still subscribers, which is I'm thankful Donald Trump listened to the people around him, <laughs> which is how I look at it. I'm like, he was presented a list from the Federalist Society and from people who are like, listen, these are the qualified people. You you can go through and look at their headshots and you can go through and, and look at their qualifications and I look at it and say, I'm thankful he didn't, like, put Flavor Flav on the Supreme Court. Because he could have. He really, really fucking could have. Or he could have, like, Janine Pirro forward. And I guarantee you right now that there is a faction of people who follow me, read me, listen to me, or whatever on this on Colin who are like, what's wrong with Janine Pirro? <laughs> so... That's my answer to it. I'm thankful that he had the common sense to listen to this thing. And this, to me, is his whole presidency, which is when Donald Trump, when our national media would freak out about the idea of him going, do you want me to nuke a hurricane? I'll nuke it. I'll send a nuke into the hurricane. And people around him would go, sir, please don't nuke the hurricane. He would eventually go, okay. And we saw that this week with the whole testimony of Cassidy Hutchinson, which is most people probably believe Donald Trump was upset that he couldn't go to the Capitol. Most people probably don't believe that he turned into John McClane or Deadpool and kicked the crap out of four Secret Service agents and tried to steer the beast towards the Capitol. And this is the whole dichotomy to the Trump years that is fascinating to someone like me, which is, yeah, I kind of didn't want him to be president, okay? Um, am I glad that Hillary Clinton wasn't president? Yes. Do I wish that it wasn't him that made it that way? Yeah, I do. Um, am I glad that he got three Supreme Court justice nominees and paid attention to the people who literally sat him down probably strapped him to a chair and said, sir, this is literally, the, this is your legacy. This is the most important fucking thing you're going to have for the next 60, 70 years, long after you and your children are dead. And so, yeah, I do. I appreciate that. I'm totally on board with that. And like Ben Shapiro said, he deserves credit for listening to the smarter people around him. Um, I, I know that there's going to be people who are going to say to me, that's, cowardice you should never trump or fucking spawn but i look at it and i say i think that there is a good balance to play between people who didn't vote for him but didn't lose their mind and people who did vote for him and can say yeah you know some of this shit was kind of fucked up january 6th is kind of fucked up and if you listen to my podcast I, i do think the january 6th hearings are kind of a political show 
They're doing it for politics, but the January 6th hearings don't happen if Trump accepts the fact that he lost and he did lose. So, um, Team Warren, I didn't mean to take over your feet or whatever like that, but that's kind of my personal thoughts, and I think it's important. I'm not here to be kind of like Jonah Goldberg to preach upon high. So I'm just trying to clarify where I think, based on like what you're saying, which is it's an important question for especially people who opposed him. Like you can oppose him and you can, and you can hate all of this shit, but the only reason Roe v. Wade went down is because he did win that election. Yeah. I mean, and honestly, I think, uh, <clears throat> you know, the thing that he, again, I certainly didn't appreciate this in advance and was not excited for him as a candidate, but I do think the thing that I see what people appreciated him in him, which was the fact that for, it seems like for decades, you know, when you have a, a fairly left biased media that is just crapping on conservative politicians and the conservative politicians are always trying to explain it away or uh, apologize or put out the perfect statement to rebut things. And you have, you know, when someone like Donald Trump stepped in, who just said no, and uh, went forward, you know, what had the whatever it is to stick forward and, and continue with Kavanaugh, even under the entire insanity of that. Uh, and I'll just say, I mean, that, that the Kavanaugh hearings, that was um, again, for someone who uh, works in the law and who watched that take place, that probably turned me more towards the right than, uh, uh, you know, anything else in my life. Yeah, um, I, I would agree. I, and, and just, just to step in, I would agree the Kavanaugh thing because of how obvious it was, like I even said to Ala Pundit at Town Hall when they said, hold on, they're holding up the hearings. What could this be? And I went, Anita Hill, come on down. Um, <laughs> I will say that was one of the things that kind of united the tribes because that wasn't about Trump. It was about a, a judicial institution. It had nothing to do with Donald Trump. And I would agree with that, where that was something where even people who hated Trump just went, no, we're not going to stand for this. This is bullshit. And I even think, you know, people who don't like him, when the media came out and was like, are you going to withdraw this? And he was like, he's like, no, no, I'm not going to withdraw this. And, and I agree with that. And I, and I guess if the lesson that I hope comes from this is that the right is smart enough to maybe reject him, but then accept people who took on the right lessons of how you push back against this kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And then just my, my last thought, uh, and I'll let other people talk was that, you know, with regards to the whole working for this for 50 years comment, you know, I will just say that the area where, um, you know, and again, because, uh, Trump turned over these choices to the Federalist Society, I mean, um, the Federalist Society has done more and laid more groundwork, um, within the law schools, uh, to set the stage for what just happened than, you know, pretty much, anyone else. And, um, you know, to watch that, uh, bear fruit is pretty amazing. And I mean, Roe is not my issue. I don't care about that. I thought it was a bad case, but, um, to see more, more generally, um, an entire generation of conservative judges now who have been steeped in kind of, uh, and, you know, federal society doesn't really advocate specific policies, but they do, advocate principles and these decisions that are coming out now and that are going to keep coming out uh, after decades of the court um, 
both, you know, usurping power with situations like Roe and just sort of, you know, announcing something that doesn't really seem to have a constitutional basis, coupled with the fact that the court, uh, you know, essentially would defer to federal government, to state government, to government interpretations of statutes, things like that. The more general policies uh, or principles, excuse me, that are that are ingrained now, we're getting decision after decision where um, the court's saying, "Look, Constitution means what it says. Uh, it, democracy, sure, but uh, it's it's not unfettered, and the branches of government actually have to act consistent with the structure that was laid out." Um, I mean, those are going to be generational victories that we're just starting to see now. And, uh, you know, I, again, hey, I'd, I'd, I'd vote for him in 2024 if it meant three more justices, that's for sure. <laughs> see, that's the next. See, that's, of course, the, that's the natural progression, which is if he runs again and he wins, he, he, he might get one or two. But I don't think he's going to replace the, the liberals. He'd probably end up replacing Thomas and maybe Roberts and Alito. But that's the other thing is it's like if he runs again and he wins, every single person knows he's going to just go, I get another term because of all the Russia stuff. And then we're then we're in an actual constitutional crisis. I, I don't think what happened on January 6th was a constitutional crisis. I think it was a very bad fucking day. Uh, I, I think it was, a, I, I, as I've repeated, I was the first conservative person out of the gate with impeach him over it, uh, whatever. But it, it, we all know that if he wins, and, and I'm not even talking about fraud, I'm just saying flat out wins, like in a 38 state majority, we all know, like, within a week, he's going to be like, I get another term because of Russia. <laughs> and now then we're all just sitting there going, oh, fuck, we got four years of this. Um, so that's, well, that's fortunately, an entirely we other an, discussion. That's a, that's an entirely yeah. other discussion. Uh, fortunately, um, we have an amendment on point and, uh, uh conservative <laughs> yeah. justices. He doesn't care. That, uh, he doesn't care. <laughs> he doesn't yeah, care. But unfortunately, just, the people he appointed would, uh, are not yeah, going to. <laughs> but here's, here's the thing. Who, he, here's the thing is we, here's the whole thing about the January 6th hearings. And this is, and I said this on Megan Kelly is this is why I don't think we were, you know, Jake Tapper's giving this overwrought, like Tom Hanks in Philadelphia speech about the end of democracy. And it's like, my dude, every single time he tried to do one of his dumb schemes, he was blocked. He was blocked in Georgia. He was blocked in Arizona. He was blocked in Pennsylvania. Then he was blocked at the federal level. Then he was blocked by his attorneys. He was blocked by the AG. And so, no, I, I'm not like Mr. Bulwark here. No, our system shows that it works. It shows that it works against even the kookiest schemes cooked up by a former crack jacket pillow salesman. OK, we know we can withstand this. But then, like, if he's in there and he's like, I'm going to run again, then it's kind of like, you can't. I don't care. <laughs> I mean, I, I still look at it as our system is strong enough. And this is why I played this clip of Boris Johnson on my podcast. Because he's right. Our system is set up to where it's strong enough to resist these weird things that happen. Where we allow senators, you can object. It, it's not that it was just Josh Hawley and Ted Cruz. Hillary Clinton objected to 2004. Barbara Boxer objected to 2004. Benny Thompson, who sits on the January 6th committee 
objected to certifying the 24, uh, 2004 Bush election results. People like me, it's my job to go, why is our media calling this the end of democracy as opposed to that? And I get it's because a bunch of fucking yahoos stormed the Capitol. But the problem, again, with Trump is we all know that it's not that if he's going to steal 2024, it's that Joe Biden is such an incompetent a-hole and like just geriatric dude who isn't there, who is going to basically set pave the road for Trump to just walk back in. And it's not Trump's re-election that concerns me. What concerns me is Trump saying, I get another term because of Russia. And then where, where are we? And like, you know, Tim Moran says, or Tom Moran says, it's kind of like, well, we have whatever. And we could very well see the Secret Service dragging him out of the Oval Office, as opposed to him being John McClain and fighting them off. Uh, Tom Moran, do you have any, like, like wrapping up thoughts here? while I just ramble about why that shouldn't happen. <laughs> no, no, just th- thanks for having me on and have a good weekend. Thanks. It was good to have you. Uh, I'm going to run through our last callers here. I'm going to end with Andrea. Sorry, AD. Um, uh, it's just, we've been doing this a while. I said this was going to be extended. This is for making up for missing yesterday. Um, Ian, go ahead. I don't even need to set you up. Give me your thoughts on what you've heard, what we heard with Sheila or how I set up this podcast. Um, how this relates to your brilliant engineering career. Mm. Uh, yeah, so Stephen, a lot of people have uh, congratulated you on the Avalanche's win of the Stanley not Cup. Not nearly but I'd enough. I'd like to thank you for ending the long, the long national nightmare. No, not was. nearly enough people have congratulated me, so feel free to. I, I would like to thank you for ending the long national nightmare that was the reign of terror by the Tampa Bay Lightning. <laughs> yeah. And it is a national nightmare because in my lifetime, it has never been held for by any of those te- uh, failed terror city-states up to the north. So uh, if they would like to be considered in this, in, this nas- in this nightmare, they'll have to actually win one while I'm alive. Um, I, I, do, I do think... If, 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 and I don't bet, I'm, I'm a, de- I'm a degenerate gambler at heart. I do think there is a strong possibility maybe Edmonton is a team that can win one in the next three to four years. Then that's it. But that depends on what they do with the other team. But see, um, I'm more worried about Toronto because it's next year no. where they blow the team up. But they're also <laughs> yeah. hurt. So I've never been worried about that's the thing about Toronto. They always get there. They they get like within a series and then they get in the and then they just blow everything up and it's like oh fuck um, I I don't I think if there's a team that could probably do it, it's probably be Edmonton just because they have McDavid they have the draft picks if they get a good goaltender and me, I mean the good news is they're probably not going to sign Nazem Kadri so but if they get like eh, if they get three more players and a good goaltender I think Edmonton will be right there. Yeah, probably. Uh, but right before the call-in uh, this afternoon, I saw, uh, I actually read an interesting piece on NBC News by a Columbia, I think it's a sociology fellow. Uh, I don't quite recall his name, but it was basically taking a look at the uh, very clear uh, racism online towards Justice Thomas uh, following the uh, Roe v- the Dobbs decision, and how even though there was it was written by Alito, and the deciding vote came from 
uh, Amy Coney Barrett replacing uh, the anointed Ruth Bader Ginsburg, it all of the ire and vitriol seems to be directed at uh, Justice Thomas, including yeah. racial That's, epithets and all of yep. that. Yeah, let me, was, hey, hey, sorry to interrupt. Let me read this for you. It's from NBC Think. <clears throat> what the reactions to Clarence Thomas post Roe reveal about white liberals? Is this the one? Yep, that's the one. So, uh, so let me keep reading. I'm not going to read this whole thing, but just so um, because I saw this too and I didn't click on it, but I'm glad you brought it up. It says soon after the court handed down its decision, some pro-choice advocates began hurling outrageous and overtly racist remarks at justice. Um, so before I, I'm going to, I'm only going to read a couple pull quotes. But the reason why this is that hurled at Thomas is because Thomas wrote in his concurrent dissent that the court may revisit um, uh, Oberfell and other judicial fiats. And as I've said on my podcast, do I agree with that? No. But this goes along with how the progressive left has depended on the judicial branch to legislate for them. Um, I'm fine with gay marriage. I'm 100% cool with it. Um, I'm not so much fine with the activism against the church because we know that's what the stem from, which is the, the Catholic church says marriage is between a man and a woman, whatever. Great. But then we got the government involved in that and we got tax breaks and we got things and that's where the problem lies. So as far as a union, as far as a either religious union or public union between a man and a woman or a man and a man, I don't care. Um, private, private lives between people, couples, whatever. I, I'm just someone who doesn't care. <clears throat> But the point that Thomas was making is because you were deciding these things through the court, we can choose to revisit these at any time. And the hard answer that progressives don't want to hear is that's the absolute truth. Like, because you've done so much of this advocacy through the courts, we can overturn this anytime we want. So as Ian was saying here, just to get back, uh, NBC thinks says what the reaction to Clarence Thomas posts reveal about white liberals. <laughs> and it's the photo of Clarence Thomas looking very displeased. Thanks, Rex Chapman. Soon after the court handed down his decision, some pro-choice advocates began hurling outrageous and overtly racist remarks at the justice. Uh, I'm going to do one pull quote and I'll let Ian continue to steal the thunder here. Thomas embrace of the Republican Party is constant with a deep mistrust of white liberals. The institutions they control and the policies they try to advance in the name of social justice. <laughs> I would argue that Thomas has a first-hand experience that goes far beyond uh, social justice. But Ian, I'll, I'll let you continue. I just want people to know the piece that you're talking about. So go ahead. Well, the, if you're going to do a poll quote in the future, I suggest the best part was further down when they're referencing Hillary Clinton's uh, discussion of Clarence Thomas in law school being like bitter right. and when, angry and resentful. When Clarence, Thomas, points, when Clarence Thomas was a progressive and Hillary Clinton was a conservative. Uh-huh. And he, <laughs> the, the quote in the piece says, he was not generally that way. He only felt that way towards rich white liberals like Hillary Clinton currently is, and no one else has ever described him that way, um, is just a, a lovely, lovely point of, no, it's the, you've just met an asshole all day sort of situation. Yeah. 
Yeah, the other interesting part of this is there, there are two bylines on this piece, and it's Musa Al-Garbi, Paul F. Uh, Lazarfeld from Columbia University. The, this isn't like Ben Shapiro and Noah Rothman here. These, these are people who go, it's a little odd that in a 5-4 decision handed down by Justice Alito, you guys are focusing on the single lone African American court uh, male on the uh, on the court. Now, of course, we have Contenti Brown Jackson, and the funniest thing to me about just goddamn complete fucking brain dead idiots like Rex Chapman is he just goes and cites interracial marriage as the reason for Justice Thomas being the way he is, and then you just go and have to show him a photo of who Contenti Brown Jackson's husband is. He's a white man. I don't give a shit. I don't think anybody cares other than the people who are trying to push prosecuting Ginny Thomas uh, into impeaching Clarence Thomas. And as I said on my podcast about impeaching Donald Trump, uh, I, I don't think that there is a clear prosecutorial case for what Donald Trump did on January 6th. I think that there's an impeachment case. But it's weird how our media is just Leroy Jenkining themselves into prosecuting Joe or Hunter Biden in three or four years. And this is the whole Ginny Thomas thing. Ginny Thomas is a private citizen. And there's this whole thing where it's like, oh, we're, we're going to do it. And I guarantee you, it, I, I'm one of these people where I'm actually a norm people where I'm like, if you assholes go and decide to prosecute Ginny Thomas, I hope. Merrick Garland and Joe Biden are fine with seeing Hunter Biden behind bars for the next 20 years and the remainder of Joe Biden's life. And so I, I look at this stuff and I'm just like, there, as much as I'm not like, well, you're the real racist, you see what Rex Chapman did, who was someone who was, who was clearly in the eye of CNN. You look at Keith Olbermann, who calls Amy Coney Barrett a, a, a law clerk. And this was this was like the number one host on MSNBC during the Bush years. And you just you can't help but scratch your head and just go, what else could this be? Like, tell me what else could this be? You see Samuel Jackson calling him Uncle Clarence or all of these things. And I'm just like, why are you going after the lone black male Supreme Court justice when you had Alito? You had Amy Coney Barrett and you had these other justices and. And I'm one of these people where I just scratch my head and I go, are you people really that upset that we took your slaves away from you? Yeah, it's it's I'm not one of those people that's the the Democrats are the real racists kind of thing. But, you know, that the, it just is very clear that uh, the racism, the racists that you see on the right are very much called out by everyone and their brother, but the second that a progressive like Rex Chapman does it, you see right. a lot of people coming to his defense. Nope. And it's yeah. and it just Sorry. like you said, it's a head scratcher because well, no, the, the race the racism on the right is some random dude at a Tea Party rally with a Confederate flag as opposed to a guy who can call Clarence Thomas you know, a clown in blackface and hired by CNN plus that's the difference. Yes. It's the fact that as long as you are espousing the important viewpoints on their side, they don't care. And you're only saying racist things about conservatives or sexist things about conservatives. 
they don't give a shit about it. Uh, but it does, I, it does all lead into sort of what you had started the, the pot, this call in with, which was the, the whole idea of, and you touched on it there, always legislating through the courts and not actually doing any of it themselves. And so, uh, I'm actually going to, I live in Northern Virginia now and I'm going to a 4th of July party, uh, or Independence Day party the night before on Sunday. And I'm fairly certain I'll be the most conservative person there. And I can't wait to just go in and basically say what the, the TikTok that was referenced earlier was about. I don't know what you're blaming the Republicans for. They've been telling you what they're going to do for the last 50 years. I just can't believe that Nancy Pelosi, having total control of Congress for the majority of the last two decades, just didn't do anything because she just wanted to fundraise off of it, just left it there. And just sort of see what the what the overall reaction is. So, Ian, when you go into a party like that, so like you know, let's say you go waltzing in or whatever, and it's friends of yours. Are, are you generally passive? Do you just generally like I, I'm just going to like listen to this? I'm just going to go along, to get along. Um, it, uh, do, uh, when you have friends or whatever like that, it, does it does does a party like that turn into a political argument or what have you? And the only reason the only reason I'm asking is because I'm someone who I do this for a living. Like I literally do this for a living. And I I, I have a friend right now who's selling a t-shirt called F U SCOTUS. Um it's a it's a very cool design shirt. It looks good, that's all I'm gonna say. But mm-hmm. I'm kind of like it doesn't make sense because it looks like fuck Otis. <laughs> but so like if you're going to a party in Virginia is it, does this even come up does this is this something that you think is going to come up or is it are, are, are is this something where you just remain silent during or because you just want to be friends or is this something where you're going to be like look all this ruling did is send this back to the states and you guys can go out kick, kick out the vote and go codify this yourselves like what how, how do you go about that so typically, since I'm on the more libertarian range of things, I don't speak up a lot. Uh, I am not the one that usually initiates it unless it's in a smaller group of close friends and I've been drinking heavily. Uh, but usually it's... And then you cite like Red Steez and then they all kick you no. out. Uh, no offense, I have never cited you when talking to any of my liberal friends. Well, it's uh, great to hear or, from you, uh, Ian. Now we're going to move on to the next caller. So here we go. <laughs> uh but no the the general approach was just uh i i it comes up at a point and then i will typically not speak up much or if it is something that is clearly wrong i'll make a light correction of there's no need to panic sort of situation but at no point am I going to try and turn a a party into a political battlefield because I mostly because I feel like that's rude to the person hosting the party, and I know that I have some fairly unpopular opinions on either side of things, and so uh, it's more of if they do start talking about it because this group does like usually. There's like a five or ten minute discussion anytime I I meet with them where it's about uh, politics or current events. I just felt like it would be very interesting to just sort of chime in and not really make uh, say uh, my personal opinion, but just make observations that would be like, 
you know what? You're right. They didn't do anything. But uh, that is the extent of it. And I know that you do want to finish this before the uh, the calendar changes. So I'll give uh, Lance a chance. Thanks. Uh, Thank thanks, you. Ian. The calendar's already changed. It's now technically we're, we're, we're closing in July. It's already the first, so too late. Um, but, Ian, that's great. Uh, I have... So this is a new Lance Purple Pundit. Um, so I, just, I, I recognize it's a new it's a it's a new avatar. So thanks for waiting patiently. Um, give me your thoughts on anything you've heard tonight or what you heard in the last couple of weeks. Go ahead. Oh, not a problem. It's been an interesting discussion. So, yo, Adrian, you know you got a Flyers fan here. So, oh Jesus, good old Flyers. Are you a? That, are, are you? That, that depends. Are you a '70s witness, the golden age of the Flyers fans, or are you just kind of like we're never going to Stanley Cup ever again? Dude, you just took the thought right out of my head. I was a broad when I grew up in Philly. I don't live there now. Yeah, I, I do Philly. that. We're talking Broad Street bullies. We're talking Bobby Clark and Bernie Perron and uh, and uh, Dave Schultz. Yeah, the Broad Street bullies. That's my era. <laughs> Yeah, I'm it's tough. Fan, it, you know, it's tough. I mean, it's it's hard to be a hockey team where the most mem- the popular member of the team is the mascot. Oh, you mean now? Yeah, that really was. You know, if you look at all the franchises and teams, and I'm a sports fan, it's not because I'm a Philly. You know, I mean, I, of course, I love my my top dog Sixers teams of all time more than the top dog other team. But that team, that Broad Street Bullies, those '70s Flyers, they were a fun team. You know. I, I don't know if, if, if someone was asking if we could like start. I was just looking at Twitter while I'm listening, and someone's like, "If we're gonna have civil war, what city does it start in, and why?" And I'm like, "Philadelphia, because they're sports fans." So hopefully that doesn't scare you off on your thoughts. Go ahead. Oh my God, the, the Boo Birds, you know. But about the the the, uh, the Stanley Cup though, before it's into the politics here, because I know you don't have all night. Is uh, it's funny how that you could ask like a, a you know a, a a black grandmother who never saw a hockey game that. What's what's the you know they would know the Stanley Cup, but that's the only one anybody even knows. I don't even know the name of the athlete that's connected to the baseball. Well, who's what's the basketball trophy? Stern. I don't even know. I know the Lombardi Trophy. So it's amazing, right? That the lesser of the sports has got the most iconic trophy maybe in the world. But yeah, no, it. you're right. Yeah, you're right about sports. that. Like if there was a sport in America that you would, if there was an actual sport, like if you could take the, an actual we think about sports, and if we could merge what the most memorable trophy is, you'd think it would be baseball because the Stanley Cup is older than baseball. Right. That's how far back it goes. It goes back to like the 1800s when it first started. It's just like a salad bowl for some dumb lord. And when you look at where we are with baseball, it's like this thing with these like dinky little flags around it. And the funniest thing about the avalanche is they fucking dented the thing on the first try and then uh, I was just looking at this today. They were at a bar last night, and Curtis McDermott, who didn't play in the cup because he's a fighter, he's just the dude you put on the ice not to fuck with the other dudes, he lifts the game cup over his head, and he falls backwards into, like, a table and on the floor with the cup. And then, so the the, the next part of the story is, the Avalanche were going to take the cup to Las Vegas, which I love because fuck the Golden Knights. And the NHL actually confiscated the Stanley Cup from them to go and repair it. They're going to go now be like, you've now put like four dents in this thing. We're done. And so the wow. players are still going to, the players are still going to Vegas. 
the cup is not going with them because now they're going to like the NHL stepped in and we're like, no, nope, we're going to fix this because we don't trust you with it. Um, but yeah, yeah. It, it, but that's my whole point. It's like, you have this trophy where you think it'd be, that's how it'd be with like, if the Mets won it <laughs> or if like, right, right, right. or if yeah. like, what are some yeah. other classic yeah. baseball teams that haven't won the Reds or the Pirates where you think like the most, the best trophy in America would be the baseball trophy. And, and I, I do like the Lombardi. Tro- I like the Lombardi trophy as it sits with other trophies. Like when I see it, cause I'm a Broncos guy. So when I see Lombardi, when I see three Lombardi trophies, that's pretty fucking cool, but there'll yeah. never be like just one Lombardi trophy. So if they could do like one Lombardi trophy where it's like five and a half feet tall with all the names etched in on it with a football, that would be amazing. But they do yeah, yeah. they do a different one every year. It just is not the Stanley Cup. It's just it, and that's yeah, what yeah. I mean. There's it doesn't yeah, matter what sport something. it is. There just is no diff- yeah. There's no other trophy. Yeah, there's just something democratic maybe about it where the other trophies they all go into a case like the very minute from the field. They, you know, I mean maybe they walk around with them or do the parade. But yeah, the Stanley Cup is like the it's like the people's trophy or something, and it has been dead. Yeah, no, that's a good way. Of hockey it. fans except, are insane. Except when it's in Philadelphia. When they won their second in a row in like 76, five and six, when they won their second in a row, I was up here where I live now, upstate New York, and I couldn't even hear my sister talk on the phone because it was so crazy on the street. Uh, over a hundred thousand showed up at that old fashioned stadium where they had the Army Navy game. hundred thousand people showed up for the party the day after. It was insane. The town went crazy, but it wasn't a lot of violence. Luckily back then you could actually celebrate without killing each other, but. Yeah, yeah, the whole thing, man. I yeah, love, that's, I love what, the that's just kind of amazing. You, you and I, the hockey aura really is one yeah. of it's probably better than all the other sports. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's what's kind of amazing. You and I are sitting here talking, and it's like the violence in Philadelphia in 1970 is nowhere near what it is now. <laughs> yeah, but I can, you know, I'm old school, but I remember when the SU's basketball team. Uh, the, you know, lost. That was the first time that happened. Though it was crazy. But you should we switch to politics? I'd love to say something about the court. Oh no, no, you blew it. I'm sorry, you blew it. You blew it. You can't do no, Scott. Say whatever you need. Uh, Just uh, say whatever you need to. Go ahead. Yeah. So quick. So <clears throat> you know about I wanted. So the gun law, you know, and with Scalia and uh, Kennedy were around, and then you had uh, a Thomas. And Alito, and then you had the Roberts. So you had the five that were the before a few years ago. And when they did Heller, he said, "Yeah, you can regulate. Uh, you know, uh, of course you can regulate guns. Yeah, okay. How far would that? I don't. Yeah, you of course you can regulate guns, but of course you have a right to bear arms. And my whole thing on that is you can't. First of all, you cannot be a stronger Second Amendment advocate. Literally, no one on the planet could be. I could explain later, topic for another day on the Second Amendment. I'm 100% Second Amendment advocate all the way. Uh, but Heller, he said, yeah, you can regulate, well-regulated, yeah, yeah, not just malicious, because that's the beginning in the Second Amendment. So, yeah, it can be regulated, but absolutely the personal right to bear arms. And my thing is, we learned this in second grade, basically, that the Minutemen, it wasn't be ready in a minute to go down to the armory and wait for the officers with the well-regulated militia that's had some name. No, it would be ready in a minute to hold your musket and be ready. You know, that was that. And so... You know, that's preposterous. So, yeah, I agree. But that's what's different about this court is they're not doing it based on, no, we're going to be honest and true. So that's the thing I th- would say about Scalia, Roberts, Kennedy, much as I deplore so many of their decisions. Of course, I deplore many of the liberal ones. This court's different. They're doing something different. 
Okay, what they're doing is not only are they pulling the mask off, they're doing things that Scalia would never have done. Maybe one of the most brilliant jurists in American history, I'll agree. Okay, he took a philosophy and then he went with it and he and he was brilliant. Two things. Sotomayor, I didn't know they could do this. Sotomayor, either in oral arguments or in their discussion, I think it was oral arguments, actually brought a video because she knew what was coming, right? They write briefs, this and that, about what Gorsuch said about this middle of midfield prayer guy. It was a quiet prayer that he was just silently going to the middle of the field to pray when, when, the, when everyone else, when the teams and everybody were preoccupied with something else. Okay. There was 500 people because he had already gone on national TV after they had begged him not to do it because of court cases that might come against them because it was a constitutional, you know, you couldn't do a constitutional. Wait a minute. All right. And so, so in the video, he said it wasn't quiet. There was 500 people. There was reporters nationally and they got, they trampled the, the band at, to get there, right? 500 people, they said approximately, uh, people from both sides of the issue and, and a bunch of reporters from all over the country. Uh, and that's what Gorsuch said. And, and, and sort of my played the video and said, no, it wasn't a quiet prayer by one guy. So that's that rule, right? And as far as, uh, one more point I'll make about the abortion ruling, Alito Smart. I don't know about these three new ones. I really don't. I think they're not that. I don't think they're that bright, frankly. I think Alito is very, very, very smart. So therefore, when he said that uh, this was an unbroken history chain because you can have unenumerated rights, but there has to be history and tradition. No. Benjamin Franklin wrote a book about being an everyday Englishman, adapted it to America, and added a chapter about a board of fashions written by a, a contemporary physician, because that's what they did then to make sure you did it safely and all that. Any of the laws Alita's referring to, and they weren't unbroken, were about the quickening, which means, oddly enough, interestingly enough, it meant when you could feel the baby kick, that was what the quickening meant. So even the laws that he's talking about, where now you're overturning the whole thing, were based on, oddly enough, coincidentally, about 15 weeks, which is when the quickening happened. So these guys are going farther because they could have overturned it. The, the previous court could have under, overturned it if they wanted to, and they didn't. This court could have gone with what Mississippi wanted, which was a 15-week ban, and they went for a full overturn, went way beyond it. So there's my point. I'd love a response. Um, yeah, I, 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 I guess I look, I, I look at it and I say, uh, I, I completely lost my train of thought. That just comes with like doing this for two and a half hours. Um, you, you said the point on. Um, I, I'm sorry, Lance. What, what was what be prior prior to the abortion law? You said something about um, the the previous one on the gun control law. I'm sorry. I just I totally lost my train of thought. Go ahead. This is this is going to be like one of the first times I edit this out because I just completely blanked because we're like going on two and a half hours. Um, Lance, uh, nope, I, I I like hearing you out. Thank thank thanks for your thoughts, Lance. No, he's gone. <laughs> um, I'm gonna I'm gonna revisit Lance. No, because I did I did have I did have a good thought to what he was talking about, and then like. He he went into the thing about the abortion ban, and I totally lost it. I, I completely admit that I lost it. Um, I'm going to go back and I'm going to listen, and I'll probably do that on my podcast. We have David Zakin, and we'll finish up with Andrea. David, I promise that I will like not be as like holy fuck. What the, what did I just hear? Um, no, I did. I have a I had a really good 
response to Lance, and then I lost it. But, but we're not all perfect. David, we're like going on like three hours. Give me your best thoughts on anything that you've heard doing this, listening to this <laughs> on the topic. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, I know that we're just fresh off the trophy debate, and I agree the Stanley <laughs> Cup is the greatest, is probably the greatest, it is the greatest trophy itself in all of sports. And I'm a pretty big sports fan, uh, all, pretty much every sport I'm into. And, uh, but my favorite sport is college football and the Heisman Trophy is very iconic. And that's a probably, that's a different debate. Yeah, um, but I, I can't, but I mean. You can't I, drink out of it. I, I didn't, yeah, you know, you're, no, <laughs> the, the, no, now we're getting into a different topic. You can actually drink yeah. from the Stanley Cup. Um, but here's the, so would you argue the Heisman is better than the college championship? Because I do kind of like the crystal football. I do, I do like the idea that like you could lift a crisp, like a pure fucking crystal football. The problem with that is we all, as we've seen with how the Avalanche are handling the Stanley Cup at bars and parades, a crystal <laughs> football <laughs> would last about fifteen seconds at like a late night party. Yeah, bar. that one. That's an older one. Uh, since they went to the playoff, they redesigned it, and like the new one is just like this. It almost it's, it's like completely different, and it's they put sponsors all over it because that's what is, they have to do is now. Is the college football uh, trophy now just bubble wrap? Does it just is it just yeah. made to look like <laughs> crystal, but now it's just bubble wrap? Um, yeah, I saw the uh, Miami Hurricanes one uh, from two thousand one a couple years ago, and it looked pretty cool, and you could touch it, and they um, they only let like recruits touch it. Uh, now and bring it out of the case, and but uh, yeah, it, it doesn't hold a candle to the to the Stanley Cup. Uh, but I'm, you know, I, I Heisman mean, nothing trophy, does. The Heisman Trophy. I oh, do, sorry. I, I do uh, like the Heisman Trophy, except for the fact that like OJ Simpson has one, and and, and yeah. I don't doubt that there are a lot of like murderous psychopaths <laughs> who have also hoisted the Stanley Cup, Rocket Richard for one of them. Um, but yeah. they're still, I mean, that's still kind of an individual trophy. It's still like, I won. It's kind of, the Heisman Trophy is kind of like the Conn Smythe. With the Conn Smythe is still a pretty fucking cool looking trophy. It has like the thing on the top and the wood. It has the polished wood within the thing of who, who's won it. So it's still to me not really in the same category. But you know what? You're listening and you paid attention and whatever. So I'll defer to you. Yeah, it's cool. Go ahead. Yeah, um, yeah, it's pretty cool. But I wanted to get on the the next fight on what would be the next fight in the Republican Party for uh, abort for abortion. And let's see, I. It's just so I never thought this day would come where it would get, um, where it would get uh, overturned, and much less you know if you told me ten years ago that Donald Trump would be the one uh, responsible for it. <laughs> yeah, the Apprentice guy, the guy with the yeah. pizza commercial. Um, <laughs> hold on, before you go on with that, let me ask you something. With that, like I've heard this a lot from the political right. They say they. They never thought this day would come. So let me ask you this. Were you surprised when it came? Were you prepared? So with people that you know, and I don't know your social circle, I don't know people around you, but 
is this one of these things where I've seen two reactions of political right. One has been, yeah, we knew this was coming because we had a heads up thanks to the Supreme Court leaker. And the other one is, holy shit, like, yeah, Roe v. Wade just got overturned. And people like me who are kind of a Gen Xer where we lived through this with the 80s, the 90s, and the 2000s, and then here we are. Were you shocked with this? Was it just kind of like a, yeah, this was eventual? Like, And, and people around you, what, what was the reaction with you and people around you? Well, it, once it became a reality when, when um, Tony Barrett was put on the court, where I thought, like, okay, maybe there's a chance. And if you go back and listen to Ben Shapiro, and you probably could say that Ben Shapiro was the spokesperson for the right, uh, he didn't even think that this would be enough. Uh, to overturn it and got a little hope wasn't something I thought about. And then, you know, the Supreme court starts bringing out these writing these opinions that look pretty conservative. And then you just thought it looks, it looks like it could happen. And, um, but thinking 10 years, 10, 12 years ago, uh, when I left high school and uh, I started becoming a more conservative libertarian person, I thought uh, when I started like forming my uh, my political opinions, I, I thought, oh, this is never going to happen. You know, the what, most we what, do is so just... so so when you say 10, 12 years ago, you started to become a conservative libertarian. Why did that start happening? What what would, what drove you or what made you start going that direction? Well, I, I think I've said here before that um, my family is Cuban. We come from Cuba, leaving communism. And David, so I've always had David, like this. You changed your avatar uh, on me, so now I know who you are. But oh, so. you completely <laughs> changed your avatar, so that's why I asked. Yeah. Keep going. Um, let me see. So there was that, and then you, you know, you grow up and you start forming your own opinions. And then I went to college, and I saw a somebody wearing a professor wearing a Che Guevara shirt, and I was horrified. Like I, I didn't know how to react. <laughs> So it it would have been like I had never encountered like somebody liking Che Guevara before, and then um, from then on, I just kind of uh, let's see. When I gra- the year before I graduated high school, uh, Obama was elected, and you know, at that time, I thought it was I thought it was an amazing thing that you know a minority got elected president, even though I didn't agree with him and um, things like that, but. At that time, you know, you had the Tea Party, and I kind of like, oh, this is what libertarianism is, and you know, crazy, you know, I kind of like Rand Paul and listened to him a lot, and um, but yeah, there was that. But at the time, like going back to the abortion, uh, I kind of think like what could happen in the next, like why why I would support like Ron DeSantis, um, it, he's proposing you know fourteen weeks, uh, I think he's just. I don't know why they're going with 14. I, I, I would support it. It would be great um, just because it's a, it's a gradual, like it's a gradual fight um, for people in Florida um, for, for life. You, especially in these like kind of like uh, uh, light red States, um, you probably don't want to go all the way in. However, like I do I, consider it. I, I think, and, I, and I'm willing to be corrected on this, the, the reason why they're willing to accept the 15-week compromise is that's the fetal heartbeat bill, 
which is this is the point of where a fetus feels pain or this is where an ultrasound picks up a heartbeat. Uh, admittedly, this isn't my issue. I, I don't know this for a fact, but this is why me talking to people, this is why I think they're willing to compromise. Um, th- th- what's interesting to me, and, and I'll let you weigh in on this before we like move on to the last two callers, is like, if it's, and I'm not going down the murder road, but if but if you if you're 100 percent pro life, there should be a thing where it's like I am 100 percent pro life, which is which is moment of conception. On the opposite end of this, you have abortion at nine months, and there it, it, at least it appears to me, just as it appears to someone who's plugged in, and I read a lot of people and I read a lot of things. It's weird to me that the pro-life side is more willing to compromise on life at 15 weeks than the left is at, no, kill this thing at nine months. And I don't know if you've seen that. I don't know what your opinion is on that. But that's kind of what it looks like to me. And I don't think, and I don't think this is necessarily hypocrisy on the right. I think this is the right looking at the social the, the sociology and the political ideology and, and where the reality of where we're at. But it is weird to me that the political right is willing to say, even if it's a human life, we're willing to compromise on 15 weeks while the political left is saying, even, even, you know, even if it's the abortion, no, we're going to kill that fucking thing at nine months. So, that's that's where I'm at, me personally. So maybe you can weigh in on that and and where you are. Yeah, uh, I think why people are people on the right who this is their hobby horse. Um, like I've worked with uh, pregnancy volunteered with Christ Pregnancy Centers uh, for one. Uh, so I hear the. And they're not really well. They're very scared. Uh, just that's a side note uh, right now. And they 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 look at it as a changing hearts and minds. And okay, this this is something that happened. Uh, let's, let's keep trying to change people's hearts and see what what evil this is. What are you know how wrong this is and how we can kind of like be known. And also, a lot of these people. Who work these crises are very much anti-abortion activists, you know. Um, on the right, people who really who have really fought for this, um, they they care. Really talk to, you don't talk to them about policy. You talk to them about the mother and helping the mother, helping helping that mother uh, get what they need, and that is what makes. That's something that makes the left very angry. Um, that these crisis pregnancy centers like exist. Like I even saw that I, I that proposed uh, regulating some of these centers. Um, I could be wrong with that. I think I, I'm just some random lefty, um, which is what's the difference now? Um, but they seem to be more concerned about changing the the hearts of people. And whatever policy it is. Hello? Uh, I'm, you got you got really cut off there in the last three minutes. That might be me. That might be you. Uh, okay. 
Uh, I don't. <sighs> okay. Yeah, I lost you. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, we just like it's connect. It's connection. It's connection. Sorry, David. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, we're, we're winding now. Sorry about that, David. I just I uh, like I lost the connection there. Uh, my internet probably as drunk as the Colorado Avalanche right now. So whatever. Zach, go ahead. We're winding us down. Uh, we'll go Zach and Drea. Um, obviously, we're going a while, so I don't even need to set you up. Just give me your thoughts on what you've heard about this call-in or what you've heard about in the news here in the last couple of weeks. Um, well, I was going to say with, with this Supreme Court, uh, some of the some of the rulings, um, even going back a couple of weeks, they ruled that an administrative agency can't have their own judge assess whether the penalty that agency um, placed on a on a corporation they couldn't have an internal judge adjudicate that the company had the right to have an article three court hear the case and the left um, and i i can't remember this name mark stein mark joseph i think um he's wrong about everything he posts about the court and so he acted like this was like some big like subversion and all the Supreme Court says was, no, you have a right to go to an Article Three court and have a jury hear your case when the federal government is trying to fine you $300 million. Um, so I kind of suspected the court was, was moving uh, in the area of kind of pushing back against the, um, what some people call the fourth branch of government all the bureaucrats, um, which actually, I think, I'm a tax accountant, so anything that takes power away from the IRS is a positive in my book. Um, If we could just burn that to the ground and salt it, I would be happy. Obviously, I mean, figuratively, I'm not trying to start an insurrection here. I don't mean that figuratively. Come on. Well, I don't, but I'm saying that so the NSA doesn't send FBI agents to show up at my house and well, well no, they'll come after me. They'll come after me. They won't come after you. So say whatever you want. Um, but anyway, so I kind of realized that the court was was moving in in that direction. But um, I think even if they were not going to overturn Roe v. Wade when that leak came out that draft opinion, I think all of them just said, we have to now, because if we, we give in, then we're going to basically encourage this behavior. Yeah. Not, not to interrupt, but I agree with that. And I said on my podcast where and we, and it's, and it's interesting how, who the SCOTUS leaker is or could be has completely fallen off the face of the map of the media based on this emergency hearing of the January 6th committee. Um, I don't, I don't think it's conspiratorial to say that the fact that a Democrat controlled January 6th committee hearing called an emergency last minute unscheduled hearing in the week after they were getting killed on Roe v. Wade was a way to change a news cycle. I think I even, I specifically said that on Twitter, I said that, this is this is changing the news cycle. 
And here we are now, what, five weeks, six, maybe, I think it's about five weeks, six weeks out of this happening with it, with what we're told is a fully, full-fledged federal investigation into who leaked this, and we don't have an answer. I think, I think, there's, I think there are three possibilities. I think there's very realistic to not very realistic. The first realistic is you have a liberal clerk, either for Kagan or Sotomayor, who leaked this draft, who saw it, got their hands on it, contacted Politico, I'm going to do this, and we're going to hear about this person in the New York Times or on CNN or Morning Joe. They'll come forward, and it'll be a big brouhaha. It'll be, a, it'll be the, the only thing our media talks about for two to three days, similar to Cassidy Hutchinson, just not with the hearing. And then we'll get a book about why I did it or whatever. The, the next consideration is that it's Justice Breyer. People laugh at me when I say this, but I'm like, the dude has nothing to lose. He is now gone. He's off the court. And now we have Ketanji Jackson, and she's in his seat, or the seat. It's not his. And maybe now Justice Breyer will give interviews, and he'll just be like, it was me, like Ace Ventura letting a fart go in an elevator or whatever. The other plausible theory, this is the farthest theory. This is my farthest is that it was either Justice Roberts or a clerk of Roberts or or a conservative clerk released this to get the six weeks of rage out. So when they released this, there wasn't this, like, George Floyd murdering instantaneous reaction where cities are going to go up in flames. Instead, they said, I'm going to release this six weeks early and... That will give the protesters and the progressive left and Elizabeth Warren heat, big smoke, whatever, get it out of their system. Then we release it, and then there won't be much of reaction, which there kind of wasn't. I mean, there were some, there's pregnancy clinics and whatever, but it's not like they went and torched churches in D.C. And so that's the farthest theory. And if I'm being honest, if, 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 if I'm gambling, my gut tells me that it's probably that. <laughs> I mean, if I'm just being a, a guy and not a paid political pundit, I'm like, I think it was maybe someone saying, release this early, let them get this out of their system, so when we actually deliver the ruling, it's already they've already burned down everything they can burn down. So I don't know, but it is interesting, not to interrupt Zach, but um, it, it is interesting where it's like, where's our media on who this leaker is? It's nowhere. Nobody cares anymore. And this is why I'm kind of convinced this person is probably going to pop up in the New York Times or 60 Minutes. Go ahead. Oh, no, no. I I, I agree with you. They're going to they're gonna end up... You'll know who it is because they'll write an op-ed in the New York Times and uh, the usual suspects will be sharing it around and they'll be like... You can remember where you were when you read this op-ed, like they were saying with the Hutchinson testimony. You're all going to remember where you were when you heard this testimony. And I'm going, no, no, I'm not. I mean, for one thing, I've taken too much morphine in the last few days to remember that. And the second is, I just, 
I don't give a shit about January 6th or the January 6th committee when uh, gas is 450 a gallon here and I'm in one of the cheaper parts of the country. Um, I, I think there is a considerable amount of the country that agrees with that sentiment. And it's funny to watch people in New York or DC say, well, that's, that's wrong. You should be caring about this, whatever. And I'm just kind of like, it's not about what's right or wrong. It's just, it's about a reality. It's about, look, I, I don't care about these hearings that are two years ago from a thing. And I, I really did like John Gabriel saying, which is when all of Washington DC is telling me to pay attention to one story it kind of means I should be paying attention to a, a few others. Uh, Zach, do you want to? Yeah. Uh, do you want to wrap up? By the way, how are you feeling? By the way, uh, how are you doing? Because I know about your health because you've been on a few of these. Um. So far, the cancer is stable, but my last set of blood work, um, my thyroid was elevated, which is something my thyroid levels were elevated and. So I've been really tired, just a lot of fatigue. They've got me on something to kind of level that out. Um, so health-wise, cancer is stable, which for what I have is about all we can we can ask for. And um, I know Ian said he doesn't like to start discussions or arguments at parties. When you're diagnosed with stage four cancer, you just lose your ability to give a shit so i'll start an argument anywhere anytime with anyone just because i feel like it if they say something stupid i'll tell them and um it's actually made me more friends as opposed to lose them which is kind of backwards well well it's not backwards you just basically just you base you basically just confirmed what we've all thought that Cancer is just like Twitter. Oh, no, 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 no. Twitter is way worse than cancer. <laughs> not even not even close. So would you rather die of cancer or Twitter? I would rather die of cancer because at least there's some dignity in that. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Now, I'm going to have to mute and laugh. Uh, Zach, thank you for holding on. Thank you for your thoughts. Uh, I, I'm glad you're. I'm glad you're hanging in. And uh, <laughs> um, see, now I'm laughing at. See, now here I am laughing at both you, cancer, and Twitter. I'm laughing at all of it, and, and, and I'm blaming you for that. And there's going to be some liberal journalist that's going to be like Stephen Miller on his call in was laughing at a caller <laughs> talking about cancer. Yeah, no, they will. No, they'll be lab. No, they're gonna. They're gonna probably cancel me over my discussion with Sheila earlier over your cancer. They're gonna think that that was worse because I probably misgendered her or something. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Um. Anyway, I, I'll leave you with the with the funniest tweet I've seen in a long time, and it was when Rex Chapman tweeted. Um, <laughs> that Clarence Thomas wouldn't last 20 or 30 seconds in an NBA locker room. And someone replied, it wasn't even verified. He replied, well, that's longer than you lasted at CNN plus. Yeah. I, I, I gave him that one, but I think someone beat me to it. 
Um, I, I also the, the the irony about this with going after Connor Thomas's race with that, so, and I think it was Jerry Dunlee pointed out that like Charles Barkley is one of his best friends. <laughs> And Clarence Thomas was the one who advocated a basketball court on the roof of the Supreme Court, and he blew out his Achilles heel. Um, I look at this kind of stuff through a lens of media. So when I see someone like Rex Chapman, who is like the second worst account on all of Twitter, get hired by CNN, a national news network, which think whatever you want about CNN, but it still is a national quote-unquote news network, and they look at this guy and go, you know, like Jack Nicholson is a part of it. What can I use you for? And so they look at this guy and they go, we can use him. We can make money off of this guy. And this is a guy who has just been a complete fraud at every point of his professional life. And for, for as much as a guy like me just gets pissed off at somebody like Rex Chapman, I look at it and say, you're also the reason – why I have a career. Uh, Zach, thank you. I know we, we went long, and I know we're running long. I, Jesus, this might be the long if you've gone. I said yesterday this was going to be an extended uh, podcast. Here we are, Andrea. Bring us hey. home. Give us your thought on Texas. Give us your thought on Sheila. Give us your thoughts on... Oh, so you Rome were reading the you, you, you know, you're the last one. Don't. This is like the fireworks at the end of the baseball game. We've gone three <laughs> hours, so don't let well, us down. Well, yeah, I was, I was all fired up to go, and now I've kind of like, I've settled back down. No, but, I mean um, I can kill us right now. We, I can just, we can <laughs> abort this podcast at fifteen weeks and be comfortable. It's your choice. Uh, no, okay. So Sheila said she did live in Texas. Correct? Is that what she said? She did, and I don't endorse anything that she says or does i'm just here for okay. the conversation so go well ahead. she didn't say where she lived but um i've mentioned before i live in the woodlands which is a major like exurb of houston so pretty much the houston metro area there are six planned parenthood clinics in the whole of houston area and for as long as i can remember only the main like the flagship one down in the center part of the city, does abortions. Um, as of, like, earlier when I checked on their website, they have a little, like, banner that says they're no longer providing abortions, even at that clinic, but they do referrals. So um, that's the situation. So, they're not so what does that mean? So when a clinic says we're not doing abortions, but we do referrals. What does that mean based on a banner that they hang outside their clinic? Well, that's like their big banner thing on the website. So I I'm guessing that has to do with SB eight. Um, and I don't mind sharing this, but I am pro-life, but about 10 years ago, I had to have a little procedure with them and there are lots of little like satellite. Well, there's five satellite clinics in Houston, but they don't. I don't know what they do in those satellite clinics. But the procedure. Well, uh, so, so what? So what do you mean by location? procedure? So hold on. So what do you mean by procedure, and what do you mean by satellite? Just for people who are dumb. Okay. So I had an abortion, but so that's the procedure. Okay. Um, and I'm guessing it's this way 
everywhere, but if you have an abortion prior to 12 weeks, it's just a regular old abortion. After 12 weeks, it like doubles in cost. It's it's like back then it was like $1,200 if it was over 12 weeks because it's a more invasive procedure. Um, it's like day surgery at that point, but that's not what I had to do. I just had the basic one. A satellite clinic, their main clinic is like a four-story tall building down um, like in the center part of Houston. They have satellite clinics, where which are like literally just a satellite, like a clinic and a strip center with the sign. But I don't know what they do there. Because I called and I was like, hey, I need to come in. And they were like, we, we don't do that at here. You have to go down in the main clinic. So, but the main clinic is not even doing abortions now because of SBA. Are you there? Yep. I'm, I'm just listening. Okay. Yep. Go ahead. So Keep you, going. Yeah. You know, SBA um, is no abortions after six weeks. Well, I mean, most women aren't going to catch that. You're going to skip a period that happens like usually after the eighth week. So I get that means Planned Parenthood, I guess is out of business for abortions in Texas. They are doing their transgender thing. That's a whole new thing. And they do that um, on informed consent, which means it's all on their website. That means you can walk in there. You don't have to see a psychiatrist or anything. And they will put you on gender affirming care. Sometimes on your first visit, it's like (laughs) they say this, but it's for 18 and plus. So, yeah. So, um, okay. Now, as far as private OBGYNs doing abortions, that's really, really rare. Most uh, private doctors have never really gotten involved with that. It's just really hard to find a doctor doing that. So I doubt electronic medical records are going to be used to go hunting down anyone with regards to what Sheila said. That was one of her concerns, correct? Yeah. Her her concern was basically that abortions would, uh, privacy laws would be used against women in Texas using uh, to go get abortion at clinics or, OBGYNs or medical clinics and that because they got abortions and that because all medical records are digitalized, yeah, that are. the federal and state governments would use those digitalized records to criminalize the women having these abortions. Okay. Well, the federal government that we currently have ain't going to be the people doing that. <laughs> um, and two, we're coming up on a year with SB8. There has been no mention at all from anyone in Texas, let alone Governor Abbott, Ken Paxton, our kind of loony AG. Um, They've not mentioned anything about criminalizing pregnant women seeking like the pill to do the abortion. And according to Planned Parenthood's website, they're not even offering that. Their flyer on the website says referrals for out of state. So. As far as I know, there are no other clinics in the Houston metro area, and we're a big city, that do abortions. Planned Parenthood was the only game in town, and now they're not doing it anymore. They will refer you out of state, but they're not doing it anymore. So when Planned Planned Parenthood refers out of state, so who does Texas border 
<clears throat> excuse me, Louisiana and New Mexico, and then Oklahoma. Oklahoma, and so okay, so and just fully admission. I don't. I would think Louisiana is a pretty. Didn't Louisiana just have a court case about trigger law? So they have Oklahoma, so they have New yeah. Mexico, but then you have also have Colorado to the north, which is you know has a, a pretty much unlimited just kill this thing and let you be done with it. Um, um. So, so that's a long drive, but you can do it. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I know. I'm being, I'm being facetious. So, if someone's gone through this procedure, where are you on all of this? Have, have you gone? And you don't need to share your most interpersonal. Where are you on this as a conservative or as a person on the right? Where are you with FB8 or where are you? Honestly, if you, to, if you if you had to go back to when you had this procedure, would you have yeah. left the state? What? Where are you on this? Sorry um, to challenge you, but that's kind of what we do here. Yeah. Well, to be honest, um, I'm like your age, but when I had mine, it was like back in 2012. It was my parents who are hardcore conservatives, pro-life. They're the ones who pushed me in. Kind of, they didn't push me into it, but they very strongly like encouraged it because they did not like the guy. So they were like, Nope, we don't want this like connection to last for the rest of our lives. Did you like the guy? Um, at the time, but I wasn't like, yeah, I definitely want to go through with this, (laughs) like go through with having the baby. And unlike you on the whole subject, I, it's not my hobby horse. Um, I lean towards pro-life just because in the year 2022, there's a gazillion things women can do if you think you had a slip up. You know, there's you can go get Plan B at any drugstore. It's over the counter. You know, there's condoms, there's birth control. Is, and- is Plan B over the counter still in Texas? Do you think that will change? Yeah. No, no, it's still there. Yeah. Uh, last time I checked it was like 45.99 or something it's like a little box yeah it's right there and i and i think it was with obamacare that they didn't put any age limits on it do you remember that big like it was like a fight for like a month or two back when obama was president and i think republicans wanted it to be 18 and over and if you were younger than 18 you had to have parental consent or something. I just remember that big fight. And I remember Obama Democrats won. So, no, anyway. so well, well in two, this fight ramped up in 2017. It was, I think it was Joni Ernst and a couple other Republicans backed an over the counter birth control. And right. this, like the this, regular. This, this, yeah. Like no, the yeah. Those aren't pugs. Those are French bulldogs. Sorry. Um, <laughs> So it was Joni Ernst who backed it, and there was a few other Republicans, and this had major Republican conservative support, even in conservative media, which was over-the-counter birth control, which was like you go in and you buy Sudafed, basically. Yeah. And the major pushback was Planned Parenthood was the major backer against pushing back against this, and they said because it can cause bleeding problems, it can cause heart problems, and that... (laughs) <laughs> may conservatives say, yeah, that's kind of our fucking point here. Like this is like, this, yeah, like, yeah. You're telling us this is causing all the problems that could cause health problems to the women who are having sexual intercourse. Yeah, or I don't know if I buy that though. Cause if plan, I, don't, B- I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I buy it, but that, that yeah. was the argument they were making. And 
I mean, me personally, I look at it and say Planned Parenthood is a public lobbying firm. Right. So if you take something away from them that could, whether that's contraception and that could be contraception mm-hmm. for males or females, if you take that away from them, then, then Planned Parenthood has less of an argument for public funding. And someone like me, if I've said I've said this for years, de-strip public, de-strip Planned Parenthood from all public funding. Let them let them exist in a private funding because we've seen where celebrities donate fifty grand or whatever, and I'm like, okay, do that. Yeah, but, for real. But public taxpayers who don't agree with this should not have to be on the hook for this. So I know I get snarky and I say, you know, let Planned Parenthood hold a bake sale, <laughs> but. I look at this and I say, Republicans went and the, the the election after George Stephanopoulos went after Mitt Romney for banning birth control. And all of us who were around for that debate went, wait a second. And even Mitt Romney was like, what are you talking about? Nobody's talking about this. What? You, what? Yeah. And and unfortunately, the RNC allowed George Stephanopoulos to to moderate a debate. And that's another one of yeah, those that's unfortunate, how, how did we get to Trump points? Yeah, questions like that get slipped in and then boom, they're on the radar. Yeah, Yeah. right. But this is one of the things where Joni Ernst, like Republican female senators, went and said, put birth control over the counter. Now, I'll fully admit that I don't know what the health ramifications of that are. Does birth control need to be prescription? I don't know. I don't take it. I'm not a biologist. But no, um, but I mean, if so, you have, this is, this, yeah, this, is, this was kind of like a school choice silver bullet to me, which is for all the people in national media and for all the Democrats saying you want to bend birth control, you you <laughs> want Handmaid's Tale, and we were like, no, we we actually want to give you more access to this, and then right. you guys all went, no, no, Planned Parenthood, and I kind of look at this and I go, okay, is this a health or money issue? And all the research and reading I've done on it doesn't suggest it's a health issue. So, again, uh, this I is a question of media. For the why isn't the media coming out and reporting fairly while Republicans want to make birth control over the counter? And it's like you said, it's like the Democratic Party and activists and media are acting like it's 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 like birth sex or abortion and nothing else. And it's like, no, there are several steps here that can prevent all of this. It can be birth control. It can be condoms. It can, you know, if you really want to get fucking dirty, it can be the rhythm method. It can be pulling out. There's all of this stuff. But you guys are all basically pouring all of your money into Planned Parenthood and I think there's a good chunk of the population that goes, no, we, we really don't want this. And so, again, this is why didn't the media in 2017 back Joni Ernst's proposal for over-the-counter birth control? Well, we all know Planned Parenthood throws awards for media members who report on birth control and abortion yeah. accurately. So they, they generally have the fucking media locked up. No, they yeah, do. They do. They have a they have a monopoly on yeah, abortion. There can media. be no deviation. There can be no slipping into like the radar of every American that Republicans, 
You know what I mean? Like the war on women. There, there can be no deviation. It's the same reason why Dems want, you know, are so rigid on the thing about race. It's just because they've got an issue monopoly with it and they're not budging. So, but, um, birth control, you can, it's near close to over the counter. I see ads all the time, commercials for like apps that all you have to do is sign up and you have like a little television. You see those ads in Texas? Those haven't been yeah. banned yet? No, they, we haven't. No, they've not been banned. No, they've not been banned. And that story that Sheila told about some 16-year-old girl in Target, would she buy something and her dad found out? Okay, it's probably because the girl is 16 years old. She's a minor. Maybe she was using a loyalty card that was under the family phone number or family, you know, the main email address, a receipt got sent back, dad finds out. I mean, come on, this is not that difficult. It's not some secret conspiracy to go, like, report women who are pregnant and don't want to be pregnant. It it was a 16-year-old girl, and her dad found out. Okay, shit happens. (laughs) Um, Yeah, like I said, I I like Sheila's philosophy. I do doubt... Like I said, this, this is kind of why I asked you the specific questions about why are you reading? What are you reading? Where are you getting this from? Because it's, it, I, I don't have a problem with Sheila. I mean, that was a fun no, conversation. I, yeah, I know, but, but I mean. I, I, look at, I look at it as like, where are you getting this from? Because my problem isn't with her. My problem isn't with those people. My problem right. is like what we saw today with political axios. You know, I, I have a close, I mean, I have a close friend, um, on my personal Facebook and for, for people who think I'm this wild, kooky, crazy, popular media person, I have like 35 people on my personal <laughs> Facebook and they did the cartoon of the Statue of Liberty walking back to France. And I'm just, I don't comment on their Facebook anymore. I'm just like, whatever, that's just what you do. Um, but I'm kind of like, y- you know what France's abortion laws are, right? And it makes you want yeah. to pull, well, pull my fucking facial it's hair It's more out. strict than Mississippi. <laughs> right. And so <laughs> By one week. So I, I appreciate Sheila's philosophy about government intrusion. I think everybody should. But the anecdotes about... Um, like you said about, you know, the 16 year old. And, and as soon as she said that, I went, I just, I'm sitting here tapping on my, you know, I'm tapping on my yeah. keyboard looking at, and I found the case and it was 2012. And so th- this just comes down to, again, people who put out things that don't really know yeah. what the case is about. So. Um, yeah. And I mean, the whole thing about um, all these horror stories about, you know, women dying and all this kind of stuff. Okay. Well, it's not the eighties anymore. There is, an abortion pill that you can do at home. I did not take that option because that, that whole, because basically you take the pill and you wait around. It takes like, I mean, you need to set aside about 24 to 48 hours. You wait around till like the worst cramps on earth come and you just bleed out. Who like that does not sound like a pleasant experience. No, I would know because I'm not a biologist. Right, but okay, so I'm just explaining to you. So there's not going to be women going into the back alley. We don't have back alleys anymore. We have this pill. You can't take it in Texas. I mean, at least Planned Parenthood is not offering it anymore. They're referring you out of state. But I'm sure 
they could refer you to a doctor in another state. And I don't know the rules about like whether a doctor, you could do a tele, you know, session and that doctor mails it to you. I don't know about that because I think you have to uh, pick it up from a pharmacy. But Planned Parenthood usually has an in-house pharmacy, at least the main office does. So all the stuff you'd need, like they send it home with you. So I don't know how that works. But I mean, Planned Parenthood in Houston is saying they will refer people out of state. But all these horror stories, it's just like, hello, people, Texas. Since September 1st of 2021, abortion has been theoretically banned in Texas. We're coming up on a year. Women are not dying. You know, people are not. Well, well, hold on. Here's my last question. How many people have actually. And I don't know if you've read this or if you yeah. have data. I'm just asking on your own personal observation. Right. You said, so we're basically coming up on almost a year of yeah. late-term abortion being banned. Do you know people have left Texas? Have people, like, said, I'm yeah. out of here, and they moved? Like, no. Or is this kind of uh-uh. like an online thing where they said, we're going to fucking Mexico, but they actually don't? No. Well, first of all, I don't know anyone. Who, no one I know would... It's too dangerous going to Mexico with the cartel. <laughs> like, seriously, it is, like, to go, even for a weekend or something. You'd have to, like, go to a very secure, like, crowded place. But, no, most of the women I know are... Who, who do you think is better at abortions? Like, MS-13 or Planned Parenthood? <laughs> well... I don't know. MS-13 does not take the life of the mother into consideration when they're performing. <laughs> You're probably going to get your head cut off, dumped in a ditch somewhere. But, I mean, so we're basically <laughs> arguing like suction. So like Planned Parenthood yeah. uses a vacuum and MS-13 uses like. A like, saw. Or yeah. <laughs> no, they use, they use like a weed trimmer. So. Oh. But what's God. the difference when you really get down to it? Um, well, Planned Parenthood will sedate you. <laughs> so at That's least That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah. yeah, I don't think the Mexican drug cartels are interested in if the comfort of no. the mother. Right. But I mean all these people like Vox, like, you know, um I I take your advice and I listen to the lefties. I was listen I've listened to Ezra Klein's podcast in the past two days. He's going apoplectic over all these decisions. But these people keep forgetting that hello, Texas, we've been living for nine, ten months with abortion pretty much gone. People are not dying. It's not like except Sicario. <laughs> right. Right. But I mean it's not the 19th century here, I mean, life is going on as is. You either hop in your car and you drive six hours over to Louisiana or 12 hours up the Raton Pass to Colorado and get it done and you come home. Or, I don't know, you get on one of these websites and you get some pills. Life goes just, on and just, people just find to, a way. Just, Just to interrupt... There's yeah. no way you're going through a Tom Pass from the months of like November to February. It's just as someone who grew up in Colorado. Oh, so I, you're I've you're only probably better off going with the cartel yeah. on that one. 
No, I've only ever done the drive once, and it was in June. Yeah, I would not do it in the winter. But you know what I mean? Those are your options. Six hours <laughs> Louisiana, 12 hours of Colorado. Or, or just go full yeah. Sicarium and, and put the fetus in the wall like they did right. in the beginning of the movie. But I don't understand. Like, no one is bringing this up. Like, when people are like, women are going to die. No one's like, um, well, they're not dying in Texas. Like, it's real. It's frustrating. It's really frustrating hearing all these horror stories. Um, Andrew, thank you for your story, and I, I you shared something kind of personal. I don't, I don't mean to like make oh, light, yeah. like like gloss over it, but you know, like yeah. l- l- like I said, basically, like I think we can all agree, like Planned Parenthood is basically the Sicario of this country. So, right, um, well, they're know, still taking they're, tax dollars, and they're now giving out gender affirming care with no rec. Um, like referrals, you can just walk in off the street and get yourself some hormones. Yeah, that's that's going to be the next fun cultural fight. And and like I said, I think two podcasts ago, I can't believe like the Florida governor pushed them into that position where it was like, yeah, maybe yeah. maybe I don't think eight year olds should be doing this, and they they have no choice but to defend it. But that's. That's yeah. a completely different argument. Andrea, um, any finishing thoughts before we can all get out of here and enjoy our holiday? No, well, I was just going to say, have... um, after Googling how many locations of Planned Parenthood, since we are coming up on a year, I'm actually kind of shocked that there still are six locations, including that main location, which is a four-story tall building. They own the whole thing. They're not doing abortions anymore. So I don't know how or why they've got that that huge building. They don't need it. We're- it's mainly because Mike Pence hasn't found out about them yet. So, but but once he does, trust me, there's going to be drones and there's going to be handmade costumes. And oh God. We'll, we'll get around to that. Like yeah. we'll get there. It's okay. Look, look we're we're well, making our way me. from the Supreme Court, like west towards Texas. So just give us a few days. So okay. we'll we'll get there. Okay. So well, thanks, thanks for Andrew. Putting me in. I know people in the comments were like, "Come on, come on." No, I held into yeah. the big man. No, we're good. Okay. Thanks, Have Andrea. a good night. Cheers. Bye. Uh, <laughs> um, th- this was fun. We just like, we literally have gone the length of like the movie Titanic. I think we've gone like four hours. We, we pretty much just did the, the Godfather part two, which also had an abortion, ironically. Um, so let me just say uh, thanks to everybody who called in. Thanks to everybody who listened. We pretty much held our numbers. Um, a few people dropped off here. And there. Also, I just I want to say thank you to Sheila. That was such a fun, interesting debate conversation. We don't use. I don't usually like to go. All right, come up to the stage. Um, whatever. Uh, this has been like episode twenty three. It's only been twenty three of these. That's nuts. Um, tired of winning based on uh, constitutional decisions handed down by the Supreme Court that the progressive left has been very, 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 very upset about. Um, I will probably be back here sometime next week. I don't know because it's the holiday weekend. We have July 4th on Monday. I will be on Waters World, Fox News Tuesday. I don't know how that's going to go. I don't know how I feel about that, but I'm going to be there. And then uh, I do plan on doing this again sometime next week now that I'm, like, over COVID and I'm over the whole abortion argument and I'm done and I just, eh, 
I just don't want to do this anymore. So again, thank you to everyone who listened. Thank you to everyone who called in. Thank you to everyone who participated. Uh, I am Stephen O. Miller. This is Versus Media Live on Call In. And look for the podcast to return sometime, maybe, I don't know, next week on Patreon. Um, again, thank you to Andrea. Thank you to Andrew. Thank you to Sheila. Thanks to everyone who participated. And thanks to everyone who listened. Go enjoy your 4th of July. Go America. Go Broncos.